and welcome to How to Waste Your Time. I am the only person that's going to be on this podcast today. My name is Holden Hintz. Um, and without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, so, m- movies, that's well, going to be the first topic. I bet you're confused why I didn't run a, the audio cue, because typically I do before. But, you know, it's a one-man show today. What are, you know, what are you going to do? Um, I'm drowning out here, and uh, I wish I had a co-host or someone that would say something. I just wanted to... You kicked me off the show as I'm sitting at your desk. I just wanted to watch you drown. Yeah, clearly. I mean, I, I was trying to avoid dead air, but, uh, you know. Here we are, dude. <laughs> here, here we freaking are. Well, uh, thanks for everyone for uh, being here today. Uh, we're in the beautiful month of May in the year of our Lord, 2022. Um, I Some show updates. We just finished our um, medium of the month uh, logo. We had it commissioned out by a guy named Alan Cortez, Flan Cortez on um, IG. He's a cool, like, soft, cartoonish type artist. And uh, with the next issue of Medium of Month, you should be able to click on it and the art should pull right up. So it should be a nice little treat for all y'all who, who, who like the How to Waste Your Time Network. <laughs> yeah, it'll be made into a, a gift that we can throw on Discord sooner or later. Yeah, the How to Waste Your Time Discord that doesn't exist yet. Well, I see it in um, the other Discord. Oh, DraftPunks. DraftPunks Discord. Big shout out to the real Discord heroes. Yeah, because I, I see you posted in there too. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then when you see it, you hit it with its own emoji. Right, right. Um, You know, guys, I, I really thought y'all were memeing on me. I thought it was like a big meme where I was like, hey, send in. And everyone's like, oh, no, let's put a little prank on and hold in. Let's not send in. Like, I, thought, I really thought... It there, was. There's a deep conspiracy not to send us emails. Right. I thought. I thought I was either a getting blackballed. B. I thought I was getting uh, um, co- a coalition. Is that the right word? There was a coup. I think there was mm-hmm. a coup against me. Um. I really just thought it was a big ruse. Like like y'all were pulling a fast one, and I and I was going with it. You know, I thought it was just kind of a bit that we had me and me and you. Um. Well, I did. My last email discourse, the person did said we will never make it in the podcast business uh, as long as he's alive. So, hmm. who Who is he? Who is, who's the he that they're referring to? I have no idea. Hmm. Interesting. And choice words. Probably a phishing email. Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound poignant or specific at all. But look at look at us. Look at him. We got an email. We di- You know what? We did. We Old Faithful, one Ryan Stabell, a.k.a. Captain Stubbs, number one shot us a freaking email and as promised we're gonna read it on air um if you hear my daughter uh, that's because she's saying yeah let's go ryan thank you for sending an email in to how to waste your gmail.com all right so the email reads hey guys still loving this show always great listening in i appreciate it man Really, really appreciate it. the medium of the month with Brian Keese definitely got me watching both sumo and curling for a couple of weeks. I'm coming at y'all today with a musical artist recommendation. I was recently introduced to the band Polyphia and have recently fallen in love. My favorites are 40 ounce, especially the music video. I read that as XD, especially the music XD and goat, <laughs> but I've added a lot of their dialogue to my personal list. Mm. Their catalog. Thank you. I'm kind of far away from the screen here. 
Uh, I think it would have been better for you to read it, but he, he threw it to me anyways. I hope you enjoy them. Much love, Holden and D-Rai, with a little um, emoticon heart. Gotta love it. Thank, thank you, Ryan, for uh, writing in. Um, as promised, if you send us media recommendations, we will consume it. And we have been listening to a lot of Polyphia. Uh, specifically, I did really like uh, 40 Ounce. Did not watch the music video. Um, it's got a good ethereal kind of sound to it. But I noticed, actually, uh, on one of my playlists, I have a playlist called Rock and Relax. I don't know why I called it that. It's not really a relaxing playlist, but I just was, I wanted to encompass all my rock music. So it's, in that playlist, it's a little uh, uh, intentionally uh, what's the word flip floppy to uh, opposing genres. Oh, rock and relax. So maybe this was the rock side. Yeah, I, I meant to them to be like synonyms, but maybe you're right. Maybe they are um, antonyms. Um, so. On that playlist, I had the uh, the track by Polyphia called "So Strange," and it hit, it starts off with this really like nice like almost like math rocky sound, and then it like goes into like a um, I don't know like Vampire Weekend's the right comparison, but it has like a lot more of like a indie pop rock type like chorus that like comes in. Oh, maybe like Arcade Fire is probably the best way to explain it. Um, but it, it's really good. I'm gonna throw a maybe like 15 to 30 seconds to you guys right now just so you can kind of get a feel for what uh, Ryan was trying to force down our throats. That was So Strange by Polyphia. What about you, Rai? What did you think of them? Um, I was about to call them new metal because I heard that term recently. Oh, in, like N-U metal? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're they're completely not new metal. New metal would be like Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park, and Korn. Cringe. Um, but I feel like uh, new metal needs a new title. Um, yeah. On, on their Spotify, it says... Hip-hop, jazz, R&B grooves, they're blending instrumentations, blending technical, weaving instrumentations. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're far beyond any genre. Whoa. Um, <clears throat> not to say it's like they're crazy amazing. I, I enjoy their music. I knew of the song Goat by the video, um, not by name or the song name. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, I know this. Um, you should watch their videos. They're pretty... They're I mean, they're pretty. Like, they're very uh, nice for a, 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 I guess, a rock music video. Um, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, Goat is like this weird um, church theme, cathedral theme, and it's like flipping between light and dark with the battling guitars and bass. Yeah, it's spelled Goat like Grace of All Time, but I think it's meaning like Goat, like Satan, like is a goat kind of thing. Yeah, so it's, got, it's got a little... Uh, uh, connotations in it um but for me um i'm gonna go ahead and play goose Hard line through the uh, recording session. Hard cut. 
Goose by Polyphia. Um, so honestly, I just want to say thanks. Thank you for writing in. Um, Ryan, I appreciate you reaching out and giving us something to indulge in. Cause honestly, again, I would have not listened to Polyphia. It's not really my, uh, um, go-to type of music, uh, but I found a lot of stuff that I really liked and I might interweave it into some playlists. And I think if I find enough good things, I, I'm always trying to add to my hint of Holden playlist, which is like the basically where I'm like, these are bands or artists that I really like. And I just choose three of their songs, my favorite songs of theirs and like blend it into one like hodgepodge. Um, and I think they're in contention of being added to the, the hall of fame essentially. Yeah. Um, polyphia is good. Um, I, I do prefer music with lyrics, but as far as this goes as an interest, instrumental band, um, they're really talented and really good and doing new stuff, which is fresh. Um, but uh, if I were to rate them as a band overall, I like a 75. Damn. Yeah. I would, I would, I would rate them over closer to like 84. I think, I think they're great. And I think some of their stuff does have lyrics. Yeah. But they're, I feel like it's usually features. Right. That's fair. Um, they're, they're known for their instrumental prowess. Send us an email. Yes, yes. Send us an email. We'll consume your music, TV, um, movies. I guess, I guess technically you get a double shout out. We read it in one and review it in the next. Yeah, yeah. The double shout out. This this time we were able to consume it, so it was pretty easy. Um, so just dunk on dark like that. Oh yeah, dark. Oh man, don't bring up dark again, please. Not not ever again on the show. Um. All right, so moving on. Today we have something uh, unique for y'all. Um, it is a food review. Food review. Um, how to waste your carbonation. Um, that's the um working title for our soda um uh show. So today we have uh today we have uh sodas, Jones sodas, and um Ryan and I um went half season on these Jones sodas. They were um. An indiscernible price. Um, who who who's to say how much they really cost? Yeah, I'd rather just not mention. Yeah, who who's to say how much? Uh, what they are is they are um, Jones sodas, but they're Mike Tyson sponsored. That was obviously the push, right? If they're just normal Jones sodas with Nootropic, would be the the term. If they're just normal that, then we'd we'd kind we'd, of yeah, I would have totally skipped over them. Yeah, I would have never sent it to Rye, but because Mike Tyson's featured on it and. There's a picture of him kissing his pigeon on one of the the two flavors. Um, of course, you know, big dum dums like we are, like, oh, we gotta try this dietary supplement. So um, we have already tried both flavors. Um, full discretion. Uh, this is us trying it again two weeks later. Are these opposite flavors, or are these uh, we swap flavors, right? We swap flavors. Yeah. Okay. So the two flavors are Tyson's Punch, which is more of like an orangeish, like almost looks like a if you didn't know any better, maybe like a a um. Orange soda, like, yeah, like, like Fanta. Yeah, soda for sure. Um, and then, Rye, what do you got? Similar with Tiger's Blood. It's like you'd think something cherry or something strawberry about it. Yeah, it could be like a strawberry Fanta, like colored yeah. um, out of glass bottles. Also worth a mention, there's uh, immediately picking it up and looking at it, there's a lot of particles. Like a, like a I mean, it is a, a technically a dietary supplement, not just a soda. So I understand why there's a bunch of stuff in it. Um, and that stuff being a uh, lion's mane extract and um, 
pluses in this garbage. Looks like L thenanine, N acetyl terosine, um, Heracum aranaceus, uh, some caffeine added as well. And that, that adds up to be 550 milligrams. So I showed this to somebody who was actually like a dietary person. Um, and they were like, uh, nah, uh, there's not enough in there to like really make a difference. Uh, I, I knew it. I knew it immediately. Yeah. I, Ooh, that, that was definitely a pop. That's, that's, a, that's a pop. That was a pop. Um, so bottoms up, we're going to take our first sips. Uh, we're alternating sips so that we can kind of give a, give the notes as we're, um, yeah. the other person's drinking. So hit the tiger's blood. Um, like I said, this is a swap in. Uh, flavors and i i liked that one better than this one tyson's punch um but it was it was funny when we um uh drank them last time we both decided that like the other flavors were too strong but i think it was a cross contamination because we had yeah we were just tasting both of them at the same time right so it was like oh this one's too strong no yours is too strong but now i i see why you like this one it is pretty like just mellow sweet cherry right yeah and he did prefer the tyson's punch the orangish uh, flavor um on second run i think i'm gonna raise the rating a little bit it's not it's not bad um i i would call it a sipping soda much like uh, how i felt about um coke starlight you know it's just one of those ones you kind of just sip on periodically over the course of a couple hours which would be perfect for this podcast tastes like a camping trip Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, right, right now uh, on Tyson's Punch, I'm gonna give it a uh, Tyson's Punch. I'll probably give a. Uh, I think I'm bumping it all the way up to a, a seven zero. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it's definitely the better flavor of the two. Um, it 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 just. I don't. I don't know what I expect, but it's just orange soda is infinitely better, like Orange Crush or something. Yeah, it's just better than this and. I don't know what... I think they've nailed that artificial natural flavor better right. than most other flavors. Right. And I don't know what I could, like... I'm I'm almost, like, thinking to myself, like, can this make me feel something? You know? Can this... Because, like, sometimes if you have, like, beta alanine, which is, like, a like a pre-workout, like, uh, you, you start getting, like, uh, itchy, or, like, because your pores mm-hmm. start opening up, or they mm-hmm. like they're burning a little bit, you, you get something out of that a little bit. This doesn't really really make me feel anything i almost wish that it did because that would make it more interesting um i don't even really feel like i have more energy after i'm drinking it um you feel yeah see i can't even say i'm like i feel clearer in the head and it's like that kind of just happens like uh let's see i woke up at like nine o'clock today mm. it's now uh we're 10 till one o'clock and it's like yeah my my body is fully awake now yeah um, I'm restored from my sleep and I'm like, I have my afternoon ahead of me. Like, yeah, I feel clear headed. Yeah. I've been up since 4am. So you know. how are you feeling? How are you feeling? <laughs> Hashtag baby life. Uh, I'm I, I, I what happened was that like, we fell asleep last night on the couch and then I woke up and I'm like, crap, I gotta do bottles. So bottle service bottles. Um, okay. Well, this has been how to waste your carbonation. Uh, we have some liquid deaths on, on tap ready to uh, wash down. Our Jones, almost like our chasers, you know, nature's candy. Yeah, if you hear us uh, hitting little sips, you know, um, just know it's the Mike Tyson's uh, Tiger's Blood Jones Punch. Uh, did you give your rating for... Um, y- y- oh, if I were to rate... Uh, Tiger Blood? T- 
Tyson's punch, I would probably give it a 75. Okay. If I were to read Tiger's Blood, I'm thinking I'm, I'm cool around a 70. Cool. Um, the overall box, I'll I'll say it's a 79. You get a little, you get funny pictures. It's cool. Oh, we didn't even, I forgot that the, uh, the caps. Ooh, the, yeah, inside the bottle caps, they have some kind of thing. What does yours say? Mine's pretty good. Mine's pretty good, I, too. I feel like, I feel like I should follow yours. Really? I don't know. Mine's a hard one to follow, but here we go. Mine says, go and pet all the dogs. Yeah, well, mine says love conquers all. So, Bam. good good call to <laughs> follow pet all the dogs. Yeah, go pet all the dogs. That's my uh Is that just like is that a Jones Soda thing? Or is that like I feel like that's a Jones Soda thing. Hmm. I wonder if uh Mike Tyson actually said that. He's like, "You know, I just want you to go pet all the dogs. Just anyone you see just walk right up to and just start petting it." If you were to say, "You know, love conquers all." <laughs> maybe that's a t- Mike Tyson quote. Mm-hmm. If you're like I love petting dogs. Like, nah, that's probably not a Mike Tyson quote. It's go and pet all the pigeons. They all need love, too. They deserve it. They just don't give enough pigeon every, love. Every dog you see on the street, I want you to go pet it. Service dog, police dog. <laughs> I don't care if it's a working dog or not. <laughs> all dogs need love and love conquers all. Uh, big shout out to the wife. She hates it when we do um, impressions for longer than two seconds. So uh, that one's for you, honey. Uh, I'm going to do the rest of the show as Mike Tyson. Now moving on to movies. Starting off with a, a, a current uh, culture icon, um, I'm going to be talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Have you watched any trailers for this, Rye? Uh I watched a teaser. I didn't watch a trailer. Interesting. Um, I watched the sucked into a bagel trailer teaser. Whoa! So yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know about that when I came into it. Um, it is a, a multiverse movie, um, mm-hmm. as it's been uh, promoted, marketed. marketed. Um, it is uh, very nihilistic. Um, you know, does life have any meaning? Uh, you know, can we experience joy? What, what do, we, could, do we choose to keep living? Does living happen to us? Like, Yeah, I've been recommended to watch it with my um, immigrant father. Oh. A lot of people have been doing that. Interesting. With their immigrant parents. Right, right, right. I don't yeah. know. I don't, I'm not sure how it would relate, but apparently it does. Yeah, it's fair because the, the mom, the main, it's, it, it's really a mother-daughter movie. Yeah. It's, so it's for all you uh, daughters who have mothers and all you mothers who have daughters, um, watch it with them if they're both over 18. That's totally a, a um, like it sounded like a line off AT Aliens. Oh. All the mothers with the daughters. All the daughters with the mothers. That's a big boy line. For sure. Watch those movies. If you're uh, over 18. Just trying to extend the uh, impression. Luda. <laughs> uh, so it, it's very much a family movie. Um, my my boy um, uh, Data from The Goonies is all grown up. He plays the dad. Yeah, he He had left acting for like 30 years and now he's back. Yeah, I I did see that too. That was pretty exciting. And yeah. his reason for leaving acting was that he wasn't getting representation. Right. He said there was no roles for like uh, Asian Americans in film anymore at that that time. At, yeah, post Goonies, which yeah. I, I mean is probably fair. I mean, he probably knows more than I do. Really, uh, yeah, post like 80s, like Big Trouble in Little China. And then like past that, like the 90s was kind of a, a dip probably. Yeah, and then obviously not until the late 2000s were like, 
all, all of the you know people of color were like, hey, we need film representation. Right. So uh, he plays Waymond and uh, very good character. Waymond's Waymond's great name. Um, really strong character. Um, I I really like. Um, he's got a lot of good like action sequences, which is like surprising for a man of his age who's been gone for so long. Um, the movie. Uh, I think my biggest issue with the movie is it kind of doesn't know what genre it is. And a lot of people mm. like that. They're like, oh, it, it's so versatile, right? Um, it's It, it could be whatever you want it to be. Um, but for me, it's just kind of all over the place. Um, and I think that's by design. But it but it's not like all over the place, like Into the Spider-Verse. That, that movie's all over the place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was about to ask, is like the only basis of... Um, multiverse movies is two spider-man movies that mm. i have like in my head so yeah i don't know how a a mother-daughter flick exactly intertwines with the mother or with the with the mother verse if you will my biggest issue is that uh, i feel like the directors have zero reverence for the content like it's a really cool idea but the d- directors are the same people have you seen swiss army man um, I think I have. I think it just once a long time ago when it was originally airing. What do you originally like in theaters? Maybe post theater run on streaming site. Uh, before you take that hit, um, what do you remember about it? Um, Swiss Army Men. You have Paul Dano and uh, Elijah Woods. Elijah Woods and um. What do you remember about the humor? Yeah, I guess you could, uh, yeah, all over the place. I think the whole movie, uh, what I get the feeling of the whole movie is like, it's it's kind of random. Um, mm-hmm. It it doesn't really end in like a, uh, you know, you don't get this like solid morality ending. You don't get a, a big, uh, what's, how would you say, a theme or like a, it finishes on a, a lesson. It's just kind of a, a movie. Yeah, um, so this is the the Daniels, as they're called, because there's two different Daniels. This is their sophomore film, um, directing together. The, one of the Daniels has done a, another movie, but uh, their second time working together, and uh, I feel like the humor is much of the same. It's all over the place, um, and my biggest complaint is it's not my style. I've said my biggest complaint three or four times already, um, but uh, my biggest complaint about my biggest complaint is that uh, the humor is just sophomoric, um and mm. crude at times um uh, there's like an obvious bit that they set up earlier in the movie and then they run with it and it's it was just like not funny and it was like just actively like how how are people how's this movie rated so highly that's we'll start there this movie is the highest rated movie on mm-hmm. all of letterbox i know the average is 4.6 um, out of five stars, which is the highest average rating, and so I'm like, I'm in in my head, I'm like, why do people like this so much? I, and and I think it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm just like trying to grasp, like, what am I missing as a as a viewer? Yeah, I, I might have to waste cap it just because, um, to bring bring a different perspective back. Honestly, yeah, I really think you have to because it it just kind of blew me away watching it. And I'm just like, what what am I missing? Like even like all the like discussion about the movie, I heard. Oh, um, not a single dry eye in the theater or like uh, bring your tissues. And like at the very, very end, there's one moment 
that like personally to me was like, oh, that was touching. Like I might have had like a tear struck to form, but nothing left my face the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And like I heard people like, I couldn't stop crying in the whole thing. I'm like, what? What am I missing? Like what? I'm so like emotionally detached from it, mostly because they they try for this random ass and I would say Reddit humor mm-hmm. that like they really try to go for it. And it just like I was so soured on it. No one told me about this. This like it's very it tries very hard. It swings for the fences at some of these like over the top, like almost crude humor. And yeah. it's, and like I don't mind vulgar humor, but like crude sophomoric is just like it so does not fit with the story. Yeah, because that's the thing is like we we enjoy comedies in themselves, right? Um, I I don't know ever like it, they could be like of similar caliber, but for whatever reason, sometimes you catch a comedy or you just catch jokes in a movie that are like I don't know, I I it has to be like it's just not comedic writers writing jokes, I guess, right? Um, and you know, they find it funny, or you know, maybe it's just me not finding it funny but I, I do catch that feeling a lot of like mm, this didn't that didn't hit i could see the i could see how people get amusement from it but it didn't hit for me yeah i felt similarly about the uh the second act of uh, the book of mormon musical i i was just so turned off from it and like a lot of the jokes are very specific to like lds people and like only lds people would get them but yet everyone in the crowd was busting up laughing it was just like mm-hmm. one of those things i think it was almost like the atmosphere like because other people are laughing you're laughing um, my last shout out is going to be to uh, Stephanie Hsu. Um, she plays the daughter Joy. Um, her role is very, very dynamic um, because she's. I, I, won't, I won't say anything about her, her, but she has a very dynamic role in the movie and um, very impressive. Uh, for someone who's just making their first like major debut in a role, I think she killed it, and I think that was a great. They did a great job casting her. Um, and that that's gotta be like the the highlight of the the whole thing for me is that she she proved herself and I can't wait to see the next thing she's in and I just hope it isn't like a um, last Christmas with Amelia Clark where where she just plays like a normal like girl going through a struggle like I want to see her in a dynamic ass role like this again because mm. I think she'll kill it like she could Eth- she, ethnic best friend yes I don't I don't want her to be an Aquafina either like I want her to be like something really like powerful or dark or mysterious so, like even like she could play in a thriller movie. You know what I mean? Like she's that good of like, like of just a dynamic actress that I want to see more of it. Rating? 79. Um, I think it's on the cusp of greatness. Um, I, I wrote a whole review on my letterbox. Um, my name is Boysen, B-O-Y-S-E-N. Um, check it out if you want to uh, see more thorough um, details on that. But uh, overall, it just, it just missed the mark for me. Um, very good movie, just not great. Um, and I just, I kept wishing that there was something more and it wasn't so like, like some, like the highest highs were great. The highest highs were astonishing, super great, like sequences, but the lowest lows were just like, if this was any other movie, I'd be giving this at like a 35, 40. Wow. Really? Really? Hey, thanks for asking, man. I watched, um, Oh, am I this? You can't segue yourself. No, no, I'm just kidding, dude. We're, we're running a show here, dude. Oh, I mean, I, I thought we were, we have sipping sodas, you know, I you, thought. You dunked on me in the beginning. Don't think I forgot about that, dude. I just want to say, go and pet all the dogs in the world. Um, We need a one impression per, two, two impressions per, per segment. segment. Minimum. 
Yeah, so I watched the the 1995 film Fallen Angels. Um, classic. Um, yeah, supposedly an international classic. We love our international movies here. Shout to foreign films. Um, as the uh, synopsis goes, there is an it follows the an assassin, his boss, and an entrepreneur, and uh, two women cross paths in Hong Kong as their professional and love lives collide and influence each other. So, um, this kind of it kind of felt like a like a pulp fiction how you're following uh, multiple storylines at the same time and they're loosely intertwined interesting um as far as the uh caliber of acting and uh writing it doesn't meet the caliber of a uh, of pulp fiction it kind of is feels very uh, people are doing random things for random reasons um no one has real motivation to do the things that they're doing um, but at least it like looked pretty and they shot with like a fisheye lens handheld, you know, 95% of the time. Interesting. Um, it is directed by a famous Chinese uh, director, Wong Kar Wai. He also directed um, the big, big hits, Chunking Express, which is like one of the great Chinese romance movies. And he also directed In the Mood for Love. So he's kind of like late 90s, early 2000s, pretty famous director. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I recognize those as, uh, highly, uh, accredited romantic, uh, drama films. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I feel like it does try to also add some of those romantic, uh, connotations. Um, but for the same reason, it's like, I don't really understand why people like each other or why, uh, anyone is like pursuing the other person. Um, specifically, um, there's a, female who is the boss character of the assassin who's basically she sends them out to do this work they 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 live together in uh like i guess like safe houses but never interact with each other does that make sense so he'll stay in the safe house do a job um wreck the place and then she'll come in after him after he like basically moves on um she'll like clean the place up and she'll like smell his sheets and like lay in his bed and it's it, mm. it's all very uh like yeah like it's just like if you if you like love or like fiend after this guy um you're also sending on him on like murder missions and yeah i find it all just the character motivation i just find it interesting i don't know if it, it, it exactly is seated in reality um but then you also find this entrepreneur, but it, in reality, he kind of just uh, is like a vagabond. He like walks into businesses and like um, pretends he works there to basically like rob people. Uh, mm. like, Sounds kind of like oceans as well. Yeah. Like he'll, he hijacked this like ice cream stand and he like would open it up after hours, like after the owners were gone. And then anyone that would like come up and you know, just want to buy a regular ice cream, he'd like pull them by their collar and be like, oh, you're buying gallons of ice cream today. You know what I mean? And just pocket the money. Um, also because why not? You know what I mean? Like there's no reason for him to be doing this. He's just an able-bodied kid. He might be a little like eccentric in the head and he likes to like act out and be goofy. But like also like why are you, what's the point of, I guess, technically not hurting, but like uh, strong arming these people? It just didn't kind of, it just went, maybe it's all just going over my head. And Mm. then after the, uh, uh, towards the end of the movie, 
um, you have this kind of like ending that also is just like, for one, it was inevitable ending that I kind of like saw from the beginning, but also it was kind of just like why the entire time I'm just questioning why characters are doing what. All right. So what do you got for us as far as the ratings go? Um, 79. Okay. I'm right there with you. It's almost, yeah, it's almost great. It looks great. I I love the look and feel of right, it. Right, right. It, it's all my favorite stuff of like grimy, fast paced, blurred vision, fisheye lens, um, handheld camera. You know, very strong close ups of people like walking fast. Like all that stuff, really cool and gives that anxiety factor. But I just kind of like don't know what everyone's doing and why. <laughs> Moving on to TV. How's your TV uh, adventures going on today, brother? My television world, bro. It is. It has got me twisted. Um, so we just finished Moon Knight. I think it just uh, aired its sixth and final episode um, a couple weeks back. Um, and it is the most recent enter into the MCU. Have you even started it? No. Did you know it was a thing before looking at my list? I knew it was a thing. Um, I knew it because I, you know, Oscar Isaac is a great actor, and I follow, right, he's one of your faves. Follow what he's doing closely. I don't know if Moon Knight had a lot of, uh, you know, draw for me. Really, you didn't like the comics? I've never read any Moon Knight comics. You never read any Moon Knight? Wow, I've got a couple for you. Um, he's in he's in Batman Arkham Asylum, isn't he? Not as a playable character, but as like a a side quest. Bruh. Are you listening to yourself right now? Moon Knight? Maybe you're thinking like Tat. I don't I don't know who you're thinking of, but one's, D, one's DC, the yeah, other one's, one's Marvel. Yeah, one's DC, one's Marvel. So there's no way he could be in who's the Who's the Who's the moon guy in Arkham? The moon villain? He looks very similar. You're, you're, you're goofing on me right now, but he looks incredibly similar. Is he like the Spectre? Maybe it's the Spectre. He's like, it's literally it's, a dude what, dressed in completely white. His eyes light up and something to do with the moon. Like, I know you're, I know you're trolling me right now, but it, it's literally the same guy. Hood and cowl, like everything. The only person I can think that, that looks anything like Moon Knight in DC is the Spectre. No, not the Spectre. I'm, I'm telling you, white cape, white face, glowing eyes, something to do with the moon. Batman, uh, I think Batman and him box for a second, um, but he he has magical powers. Um, I've, I'm also thinking Teen Titan in my head. It's like Slade. No, 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 no. It complete. The dude is completely white, exactly like Moon Knight. All right, I'll give you some time to look it up if you want. Um, the, go is, for it. Dude. Is it Eclipso? Is it Eclipso? No. I'm telling you. All right, go ahead. Take some time to look it up. I'll, I'll talk to you about uh, Moon Knight. So, uh, Moon Knight comes from a lineage of uh, DC TV shows that have all been hits, honestly. Um, we, we have starting WandaVision, Captain Winter Soldier, uh, Loki, Hawkeye, and now Moon Knight. So, there's five five shows. Moon Knight, I'm safe to say, another hit. It is a little goofy. It is a little all over the place. It takes inspirations from already super successful um, series such as like Indiana Jones. Um, it feels like a little bit like Tomb Raider. Feels like a little bit like Uncharted, and it feels a lot of like the TV show Legion, which is the X Men Marvel TV show. Um, 
Moon Knight has always been pretty weird, so I was wondering how they're going to do it. Because I don't know if you knew this already, dear I, since you've never read any of the comics, but Moon Knight suffers from DID. Yeah, I, I got that too from trailers, like a split personality type mm-hmm. thing. But I don't think you realize how much like that is like that is the show. Like it is Oscar Isaac playing two different mm. characters in the same mm. body. That is like a large part of the show. It almost felt like um, when I mentioned to you guys about Finch uh, with uh, Tom Hanks like being the only real actor. Yeah, a lot of the times it's just it's just Oscar Isaac acting with Oscar Isaac. Um, but also Ethan Hawke kills it. Ethan Hawke's a very good actor. So to finally have him in like an MCU property. Um, yeah. Ethan Hawke goaded. Uh, Ethan Hawke's absolutely goaded. And he does a really good job at this, this character. Um, I, I think Moon Knight really works from a non-commercial standpoint. It, it's just a lot of fun to watch and it's a lot of fun to have develop. Um, the first episode is super super good at like, it's like trying to come up with this like mystery type thriller and there's even like elements of horror that don't really carry into the rest of the show um the show is actually very heavily influenced by egyptian um mythology uh, they couldn't have a white guy dressed in all white like that um n- no i mean i guess they could but but Clan it's, man oh damn yeah, i didn't even think about that um but uh, the Egyptian like mythos is is huge because there's the Egyptian god Khonshu, and that's where Moon Knight kind of gets the powers from and whatnot. So it, it goes down the rabbit hole in a big way. A lot of it takes place in Egypt and around Cairo. Um, so oh, yeah, the setting is based in Egypt. A lot of it is, yeah. Um, a lot of it's in England as well. Um, it, it features an Egyptian actress who plays kind of his like other side. Again, a lot of it is mystery you're kind of figuring it out as as they unravel it. Like, they are very patient with the storytelling. And I appreciate that because it's only six episodes. So you kind of have to, like, either rush everything in the first episode or take your time, which they decided to. It does leave open-ended. Um, I think there's they kind of set it up for a, a season two. Um, and overall, I think it's it's a great show. Like, great action sequences, great, uh, great acting all around. Um, very creative the cgi could use some work they have some big old egyptian gods they're like nah goofy 3d renderings absolutely goofy 3d renderings um like wife is laughable at it she kind of stopped caring about the show um but we still got through it we got through all six episodes um i i liked it a lot i thought it was great I, i'm giving it 82 i think it's better than hawkeye but not as good as loki if we're but i think loki was probably the best that's the best where i'm at right now with it yeah, I'm pretty PO'd at Google right now, making me look like a fool. Yeah, he spent um, that whole entire time I was talking, and I was vamping for him. Couldn't find a single damn thing about um, it. But it, I even found an article, like, this character is Moon Knight's equal from DC. And it's no, about Batman, right? No picture, no nothing. Didn't even mention, it was, it was he's listed as another Batman villain. Um, no picture of him, no name for him, so... Um, that's as far as I'm going to get. I'll have to replay the entire Arkham Asylum. <laughs> until you get to that point. Arkham City, yeah, until I get to that point again. Uh, and you can drop it completely. Yeah, until I, I'm going to go home. I'm probably going to Google for another 45 minutes and send you pictures. Um, but other than that, uh sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and if you hear a voice coming in right now that sounds like, hello, this is the edit from the future. The person whose name is, if you hear anything like that, 
then that means that Dira actually did send me something conclusive. If you don't hear that right now, which is more than likely, that's because E. Dira couldn't find Jack's Ask me about my TV, dude. Oh, I forgot. That's we, that's how we do it. I I ask the segment. I I do like the transitioning thing. All right, hold on. Let me <clears throat> let me back that up. Uh, so, Dri, what did you watch on the television screen? On my phone screen, I've been watching Fargo. Um, oh, that's what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, that is what I'm going to be. Did I have anything else listed on there? No, I guess that's all you had. Yeah. Well, the reason it's it has been on there for a while. There's four seasons of this show. Damn. Um, I'm I'm parked at season three in between three and four. Uh, which season has a Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Is that season four? Um, I mean, you're you're saying words to me. You're you said someone's name. I don't know her face. That's um Ramona Flowers. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She, she's. Hmm. You know, not no. she plays. Okay. I couldn't couldn't tell you. She, what season was Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Fargo? I'm a I'm a face guy, not a name guy. If okay. I if I see your face one time, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. I can draw it. Um, you tell me your name. You might as well have told me what time it is. Other questions asked are, who is Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Same. All right. Ne- so we're me and Google are on the same page with that. Next question, are Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Ewan McGregor a couple? Um, so it's mm. the it's the third season. She plays Nikki Swango. Yeah, so she's in the third season. I, I really did not know her name. I, I, you didn't I, recognize her as Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? Uh, maybe in my head, but not. Um, she The character she plays is uh, very different than Ramona Flowers. Um. But uh, overall, a good performance. Yeah, is she a? So I mean, I don't. I feel like I don't need to break down all because every season is a different, um, true crime story. Um, mm-hmm. and the setting is the Midwest, wh- whether it be Montana, Minnesota, just overall the greater Midwest. Um, and it's very interesting. Um, every time, similar to the movie, it's like. This is the town's like first murder in however long. And now you get this uh, single like either, you know, small town Minnesota sheriff um, just decides to put everything uh, as far as detective work into this one case because they find it interesting. And they have they have the actual like gigabrain like intelligent angle on it. Um, and also the seasons uh transgressed time like season one and three are like much more modern in the early 2000s whereas yeah you and mcgregor with the with the mullet and the mustache was pretty got, classic. Like, f- fake hair on him yeah it, he was loaded up he plays two characters in um he plays a pair of brothers in the third season which was um really exciting also um if you want to find that other actor's name from the third season. As I say to myself, uh, as I Google. You want, so you want me to find that? Well, no, 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 no. I was just looking for it myself. Um, apparently, um, apparently, wow, Ewan McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Winstead just got married this year. So, Ewan McGregor just split from his previous wife and was like, nah, 
Maryland's bud said my boo at 37. The on-screen on chemistry was there, for sure. Um, um, but the third Stevens, David Thelewis, um, plays one of the most, like, disgusting, makes me so uncomfortable every time he's on screen, um, rude and, like, uh, intelligent villains um, that I've had, had in recent film and TV. Um, and then also from the first season, I really enjoyed uh, Billy Bob Thornton's villain. Oh. Uh, yeah, because he was a very charismatic and likable villain. Um, Interesting. Um, but like I said, overall, these are true true crime stories, um, and they're told uh, apparently to the T of truth, um, as the opening says, as in respect to the survivors, this is told as a true story. And they're freaking like, just just like Fargo, they're the wackiest, dumb, harebrained Midwestern crime plans that you could ever watch. Interesting. Um, rating for uh, what do you want to rate all all Fargo seasons one through three, or do you want to rate just season three? Or? Yeah, I'll drop it on one through three. It's a it's a eighty eight. Wow. Um, I feel like uh, always eighty eight is saved for you. Um, it's a lot no. of, it, it's a lot of TV. Um, but I think as far as like cinema goes and, uh, the, how funny and goofy the characters are and, uh, how much entertainment value I got for it. I think it's a pretty great show. Right on, man. I, 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 th- I love the movie. So I think I need to give it a chance. The problem is so many good TV shows out there. Yeah. But I also know that, I mean, that's always the crux of the show, right? Because there's so much stuff to watch and not enough time. Um, but if you like, it's very specific. It's even closer to Burn After Reading, I'd think, oh, rather cool. than uh, Fargo the movie. If we're talking about Coen Brother films, you feel yeah. Me? If we're talking Coen Brothers. All right, brother, crack open a cold one with me because we're talking about. The good old NFL draft, baby. Uh, we're talking about specifically the 2022 NFL draft. And here's our uh, on the draft, uh, down on the streets correspondent, Holden Hints. Uh, what uh, do you got for us, Holden? What's going on down there? Uh, you're coming a little spotty, Darian, but uh, I think I, if I heard you correctly, you too, sir. Um, so today I'm going to be, uh, really talking about this round one of the draft because that's all that happened today. And you know, it happened here locally in Vegas, you know, where we report uh, our news from. Um, so I'm here to talk to you about specifically one pick, only one pick that matters to me. And that was the number three pick in the NFL draft. Um, this was a, a a very interesting pick, um, because it, it belonged to, as you know, my personal favorite, the Houston Texans. Uh, they haven't had a top uh, five pick uh, since they picked up Javon Clowney. Uh, I think that was back in 2016, 2017. And it, it was a defensive end uh, who ended up getting traded away to the Seattle Seahawks. Really kind of uh, came unto himself after he left. But this year they went for another defensive player. Not an edge rusher. Not something that they uh, need uh, desperately. But instead, what they decided to go with was a cornerback. Now... Texans defense has been known to be a little spotty in their secondary. So Derek Stingley Jr. was their pick. This is a guy that I would have not called the best defensive back in the draft. Um, that would have been um, Sauce Gardner because um, his name is Sauce. 
Sauce Gardner. That's who I would have picked because he's also a cornerback, and he got picked number four and not number three. That's neither here nor there. But Derek Stingley Jr., he's a guy with character issues. Um, I'm not sure why the Texans picked him up, up at number three. Uh, people expected him to fall all the way down to like 15, but we did. We, uh, we reached for him. Um, as a fan, if I was there, I would have cheered uh, like every other fan does. But uh, w- what are we cheering for? Let's, let's be honest here. You know what I mean? All right, now back to you, Darren. Yeah, Holden, it sounds like you are probably one of the most biased correspondents we've had. Um, I don't know how you got the job, and even in the job, you're not doing the job of reporting on the overall draft. Thank you very much. Rating? Uh, um, I'm not hearing you correctly. I think you said, great job reporting, okay? I heard, then, I heard those words. And then I heard, go and pet all the dogs. Did you? I'm not sure if that's coming in correctly. It's a little spotty down here. Um, a lot of loud fans around me uh, and a lot of upset Packer fans. I don't know why they're throwing beers and these Cowboy fans. <laughs> um, rating, if I had to rate the draft, I, I you know, I've kind of come unto myself this year. Um, I think I'm giving it a 70 um, because it's fine. Like, it's good. It's good. But I think I, I'm glad I wasn't there. I almost had FOMO. I'm like, hey, when the hell is the draft ever going to come to uh, my town ever again? I mean, I'm here now, of course, but... Um, I, I had a little bit of FOMO, but then I thought to myself, what would I be doing there? I don't drink alcohol. I uh, don't really associate with Texans fans, um, not because they're not good people, but because they're probably general sports fans, assholes. And um, I just think there's nothing really going on down there for me. So, you know, it's good, but uh, it could be better. Yeah. I mean, as far as like, it, it, it is kind of one of those things as an NFL fan is like, oh, I'd like to attend the draft. I don't know a player. Um, I don't, I, I have a team, but it's like, do I really care who they're picking up and, you know, dropping? Like it, it, it doesn't really matter to me. What does anyone do at the draft? Right. I, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is I think the NFL draft has so much like hype for no good reason. Like it, it, it they've generated so much money off of the draft. Whereas like mm. MLB draft, you couldn't pay people to watch the, the major league baseball draft. Yeah. They know how insignificant it is. So. Uh, maybe it's because uh, in in the NFL you have those first round picks usually get a, a guaranteed contract, whereas like MLB, you know, the picks don't matter. Like I think Kyler Murray was drafted in the MLB draft, and it just didn't matter. He still went to the NFL. You know, yeah. nothing nothing is set in stone. But it's like in the NFL, they make a whole spectacle spectacle out of it, and Roger Goodell gets really big into it. Like he loves when people boo for him. Like he really like ham fists the the character up. Like this year he had a, a special dap with um uh kid. Uh, with the Kayvon Thibodeau from the Oregon Ducks once he got drafted number five for the uh, New York Giants you haven't seen it he had like a special dap like he came up on stage and they did like this like thing they had rehearsed beforehand like there's there's a there's a definitely some showmanship to the whole thing I think the last NBA draft was like just done over the phone like it it, there everywhere else does it so differently NFL makes such a big deal of it and I think the reason why is because it brings hope right that's that's the whole Thing is like, oh, this one player is going to change our entire team. You know, yes, our we were four and uh, thirteen last year, but uh, this year because we have Derek Stingley Jr., he's going to get interceptions. He's going to change the tide of the defense. Everything's going to be better. You know. Yeah, I do think that's it. It's like for whatever reason, NFL fans just decide that uh, the previous season doesn't matter, and it is changed by the draft. Like they're. I I don't know what it is about the NFL. I've never thought that when it comes to 
the draft NBA. or even yeah or even like across sports like NBA or anything like that. I've never been like this guy was drafted wild. I did watch I I think I do remember watching um LeBron James get drafted though. Whoa. Oh, 04. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a childhood memory for sure. Um other than that it's like it, 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 why would I watch it? Even the NBA draft because who was el- who else was like recently drafted in the NBA that like I'm just not excited for those players really. Luca was drafted after Lonzo. Mm. Yeah, like who cares? I, I, yeah, I was watching it. We were uh, shopping at Ross, and I was like, I had like it pulled up on my phone, and like I had it in like the cart, like and it was like playing, and I was like, do 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 NFL mm. draft. Who we picked up? Okay. But I mean, at least I I did listen to some pre-draft coverage like the coming up weeks. So I knew some names. I'm like, okay, this is who's in the ballpark. Um, at least they didn't pick up an offensive tackle with that number three pick. That would have like pissed me off. But I mean, overall, it, it I think just people get excited for no good reason because it, it and, and even in we're keeping comparing it to basketball. If if you have one good player that make that could change the, your season, like one out of five of your starters is now this incredible player that you drafted. That could totally change the tide. That changed the the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks. They're completely changed because of Luka Doncic. Whereas yeah. the Texans, one cornerback isn't going to make a difference. And the only reason I think the draft was on my TV when I was a kid um, was because of LeBron James. Not because of we wanted like anyone wanted to see where you know how their team was doing. It was like, oh, where's LeBron James going to go? I think that was like the number one thing. LeBron James. LeBron James. There's a quote for our uh, impressions. Moving per on. segment. <laughs> yeah. All right, bro. What what sports you got to to speak into the worlds? Um, a late arrival. Um, this was last week, last weekend. What do you got? Um, the creator clash. Uh, mm. moment house boxing match. Uh, set up by the great, the goaded Ian Idubs and his girlfriend Anissa. It is the um charity boxing match between YouTubers. Who so uh, the skill the skill wasn't necessarily all there, but the heart was there for sure. Oh, I mean, it, done completely in the respect of uh, boxing, which was the whole idea of it. Because previous, um, you know, uh, creator boxing or you know your Logan Pauls and your Jake Paul fights, like they're all pretty specifically like we want the drama, we want uh, this big media buzz, we right? Want some to, narrative, right? I want. Uh, I want Jake to get freaking Tyrone Woodley tattooed. I want Tyler Woodley to get this tattooed. And it's like <laughs> it's all it's all pretty tongue in cheek, goofy. True. Um, whereas this, it's like you uh, from the beginning. Every time anyone got uh, interviewed about their opponent, it's like I respect this guy. He's been working for six months, just like I have, and then we're gonna go fight. So it's like uh, let's get it on. And I, I that's my favorite part of boxing is like, yeah, I like to see a m- much more respectable competitive fights. So I, I heard about this, um, because people were talking about it on the min max discord and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. I didn't know about it any time before that. I don't, I really didn't care about anybody on there. I, I'm familiar with the super mega guys. I think they're kind of funny. I've listened to some of their stuff. Their music is, is comedic. Uh, I'm familiar with Idubs, Of course, I don't really watch his content. Uh, of course the guy from Epic mealtime, Haley or something like that. Harley, yeah. Harley, thank you. Um, and that was about it. 
Aaron from Game Grumps. Did you mention that? Oh yeah, Aaron from Game Grumps. Yeah, I used to watch. G- I used to listen to G Club, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And then uh, they just suddenly stopped making it. Um, so that, that's unfortunate. But um, from what I saw, I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed it, and I did watch the Idubs fight, which went the full five rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little sloppy though. There was they thought it was uh, like three three minute rounds or something like that, or four yeah. three minute rounds. Turned out to be just another five two minute round. Fight. Yeah. When it ended early, the announcers were clearly like, mm, "Wait, was it three minutes? Two minutes? How many rounds?" And it's, right. uh, but at least the structure of it, the structure of the entire show was much like a traditional boxing, right? Uh, like setup where it's like you have a, a prelim card, you have a fight card, and you have the main card. Like it. I mean, I was stunned how professional the commentary was. Cause oh, I, yeah, for sure. It, it was Critical was one of the commentators, Moist, Moist Critical, and I could not believe how much he held back. Like, he could have been making, like, dick jokes left and right and, like, tons of different, like, comparing it to... His, his type of humor is, like... That was that was much like uh, my my mom when she's watching Downtown Abbey and falls asleep on the couch. You yeah. know, he could he could have been making stuff like that the entire time because that's his type of humor. And he opted out to do real like boxing commentary. Like that straight right went right through him, and you can see he's hurt now. Yeah, you know, his, stuff like his, that. His jab is there for him right now. Um, I don't think through the entire broadcast I heard uh this is nuts to butts action, which is surprising. Right. Um, almost I almost. Like thinking back to it, I was like, oh, I'm a little heartbroken. I didn't hear critical say this is nuts to butts action. But mm-hmm. in, you know, post fight, it's like, oh, I don't think it needed um, nuts to butts action commentary. Right. Um, I'm, but that being said, I did, I did really enjoy Snoop Dogg commentating um, that Mike Tyson and um, Roy. Roy Roy Jr. Roy, yeah. And, uh, that was was like a couple uncles find out a cookout yeah that's that's a classic line um so just run through the fight card really quick i don't want to uh you know explain all these people and what they do just their most their entire category is uh they're a content creator somewhere on the internet right um whether it be like animation tiktok youtube um some people just do you know they're you have other people on here who are like kind of like engineering backgrounds, but they create videos on YouTube. Um, all very interesting. Um, start with the the very first fight straight out the gate was Matt Watson of Super Mega and Dad, the creator. Um, Good fight. Yeah, that solid, was one of the ones I watched. Solid fight. Solid twenty second fight. Um, I I had heard that this one was kind of like a a a, a setup to to throw dad a, a free win because mm-hmm. Matt Watson for one is not built as a fighter. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's a common thread. Yeah. You'll see here. Not a lot of these people are built as a fighter. Yeah. Whereas dad is like an actual, like almost like semi-professional dancer and mm-hmm. he's like very fit for his age. Um, but nonetheless, I also believe that Matt Watson didn't have like the same time to prepare mm. uh, for the fight as other people did. Um, so he got mopped up in 20 seconds. Good fight, though. I mean, he's he stood. He didn't get knocked to the ground. He wasn't like knocked out. It was just stopped. Um, after right. he uh, was unable to defend himself. <laughs> um, next up is the uh, uh, internet comment etiquette with Eric, um, who's also a you know, YouTube classic, and uh, some other guy I do not know, DJ Wealth of 
animators versus games. You know who I would have liked? I would have liked to see um, the 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 guy who re- review bra, the guy who reviews f- food. I would have liked to see like his little scrawny ass go out there and be like, "All right, I expect a good fight from well, that, uh, my the gentleman across the ring." Yeah, but he's like legit like. Uh, has had health problems due to his like <laughs> size, so I don't know if he could stand up. I don't know if his he can hold up sixteen ounce gloves. Um, I think internet comment etiquette and DJ Wolf. I think they went the distance, um, which is surprising considering uh Eric is like a pretty avid like smoker and drinker, <laughs> um, in all of his videos. So it's it, it's it's interesting to see him like. I think one of his quotes is like, "There's nothing like make you want to." nothing to motivate you more than getting like punched in the head. That's how he described his fight camp. So, uh, nothing better than sparring than getting punched in the head, like to make you spar better. What was the standout fight for you then? Um, by far the stand, my favorite two fights is going to be the, the ladies, uh, Justin Minks and yodeling Haley. Okay. I know Minks. I've seen her on some content before. Um, so that was a good one. That was a great one because, um, for one, they were decent boxers. They can, uh, for the most part, uh, throw heavy punches and move and move their head. Um, but you had this, like, uh, this was also five rounds, I believe. Yeah. I think most of them were. Most of them are five rounds. So we had, like, the first two rounds of this. Um, Yodeling Haley was just, like, basically teeing off on Minx. Um, Minx wasn't, like didn't have her defense set up that well and jabs were she was eating jabs over and over again um but what uh she had this huge rally basically in third and fourth round where uh she just dropped her hands and um she could tell that she had way more power than uh, yodeling Haley, and you know justin minks just ate a ton of shots until it got got the tko wow like just through raw power and uh a tough tough irish chin incredible and then what was the fight of the night? Uh, fight of the night is still going to be um, Hundar from Muscle Party and AB of the H3 podcast. Oh, I forgot about AB was out there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, besides, I mean, Idubs and Dr. Mike was the uh, main card, main, main card, fight. Main, main but I still think the most competitive fight was going to be Hundar and AB. Okay, that makes sense. Um, they for sure took the most into boxing as far as like technique and skill. Right. Um, they they were the only fight that I actually saw uh useful legit clinching, um, which is huge as as far as like watching amateurs fight. You you can make fun of them like swinging wildly or not protecting themselves, but like watching amateurs clinch like and using it correctly. Right. As defensive and offensive is is really interesting to watch. Those are one of the only fights that I saw clinching. Um yeah. and then, uh, I I dubs and Dr. Mike had had some clinching in it, but it but it was like it, every time they broke the clinch, Dr. Mike was just throwing on like just just punishing him. Yeah, but it's almost like a d- dire clinching. Like you, you both of you walk too close to hit each other and then you right. just grab each other. Right. right. Whereas like Hundar and AB, AB's getting hit up a little bit so he does like an over under clinch mm-hmm. and is throwing shots from underneath, like to get distance and to get a little bit more shots back at him. And I was like, right. Oh, this is, that was actual boxing. Um, that's probably my first favorite fight, but, um, overall, uh, for the sake of time, the creator clash is going to get a big old fatty 80. Nice. Um, it's a great show. I can't watch the next, can't wait to watch the next one. 
Um, I would never pay for a thriller fight or a Jake Paul fight, um, but I did pay for this. Oh, uh, wow. Due uh, to its uh, uh, charitable charity. benefits. Yeah, yeah. Well, how much did it cost? I, I bought the tickets when they first came out, so they were $15. And then they nice. went to $25 um, for like uh, for the next month up and coming, and then day of, I think they are like $35. Wow. That's crazy that you knew about that far ahead. I, like, I just totally missed it. But yeah. again, I think you're more into that kind of scene than I am. Fair enough. Um, before we move on, uh, I just want to spend 30 seconds talking about the uh, national anthem. Um, it was sung, uh, right before the main card against Idubs and Dr. Mike. And it's, I don't, I don't know who the kid is, but I, I think he has some kind of affiliation with like Minecraft or like something. He, he's so, like a, yeah. a YouTube type kid. And, uh, he, he just, I don't know. I don't so know. The, the singer is, uh, is it, his known, his known by the name of uh airsoft fatty Ooh. um this is a subject of one of idub's documentaries oh wow um so they have a, a long vested uh, relationship um mm-hmm. and you know he's just one of those like very goofy cringe like you see him in cringe compilations of like it, it, it he's just a really like he's very pretty young it, he had to has to be like in his early 20s and when he was making like popular YouTube videos, like late teens, um, but he's very fat. Um, <laughs> large man. Large man has a very like high pitched squeaky voice <laughs> and like very Midwestern kind of feel to him. Um, but to, to have him sing the anthem and I can't, I can't, I can't decide if it's a, a triumph or a failure. Like I really can't in my head because he fails the anthem three times and restarts it three times after getting pretty far each one of those attempts. Know, he get like if you you go like three or four lines into the anthem and then restart is totally fine. Yeah. The second time he messed up, not only did he have the entire stadium singing with him to like back him <laughs> back up, him up. <laughs> and he was still tripping over lines and flubbing lines <laughs> and then he's like, "Wait, wait, wait. wait. Here's I got to restart. My bad." <laughs> Um, this is part, this, what did he say? Uh, this is the second try part two. When he started the third time, I, I lost my mind when he said that the Bruh. second try part two, I was like, is, I don't know if he's a G that's what I think is. I don't know if he's a genius and w- like went out there and like rolled with the punches right? or if he was like really like, you just know, that nervous, that nervous and terribly failing and like just couldn't get over it until finally the third time where he kind of just. Uh, I it was like full blackout, like just right, went through it. Right. He was like, I, get, he like finished and was like, get this mic away from me. I I, I have to say, it's, it's got to be top three all time national anthems for me. Like it is absolutely so incredible. Yeah. I I would definitely, if nothing else from that, listen, find that national anthem on YouTube, listen yeah. to it. I'm sure it's under Airsoft Addy, the Creator Clash national national anthem. I could not stop laughing. It was it's like so I I don't know how the crowd was able to get through it because if I was in the crowd, I'd be dying. It's just. What? It's perfect for that type of event as well. Yeah, and if you know the documentary of Idubs, it's like it, he he is a guy that like triumphs through his um, you know, his own uh forthcomings and downfalls. So it in that sense, it's like I do find it quite endearing that he's like, "This is the second chance, part two. Let's go!" And I'm like, "Dude, yes, Aristophany, you're freaking, you're a Chad."
All right, talking about anime now. Um, I I'm in the middle of a couple of shows, but rather than give you half-assed um, reviews, uh, listeners at home, I'm gonna give you a full-assed review of um, a anime movie that I watched because I was like, I gotta get some kind of content in for the for listeners at home. So I ended up watching My Hero Academia Two Heroes, which full is full ass. Full ass. That's actually the subtitle of the. No, two heroes. It's uh, the very first movie in the um, My Hero Academia um, animated movie series. There's three of them right now. And um, it was a blast from the past. It was kind of wild because I we're already on season five now of, of the show. Um, about to be in season six, I think, at the beginning of next year. And um, it was kind of crazy because this takes place, I think, after season two. and Or in the middle of season two. I think it's at the end of season two. And basically, it's like these characters are still so bushy-tailed, and they're like, "Oh, we haven't completed our our um, hero lessons yet. We can't. We don't really know what to do." They're still like trying to figure themselves out. All Might is still like powerful. He hasn't like lost any of his powers. Spoilers. Spoilers. And um, if it almost felt nostalgic, nostalgic for 2018, like that was just four years ago. But I still like I was watching it. I'm like, damn, like. This brings back good memories of like the, when I watched the start of, or I was like, I was watching My Hero Academia with it during season two because I missed season one. And I was just like, wow, like there was just something really special. Like there, you saw the character development happen on screen. And that was like really special. I mean, to see like um, Ochako to like be able to like kind of come under herself and come out of her shell and like Todoroki, like e- even though I remember at that point, like he was very trep- like trepidatious about using his uh, fire powers like to mm. see him go out to like help his fellow like classmates the uh, the, the movie is very tropey it's not like uh, the plot's not something like super unique but if you told me my hero academia cross die hard i'd be all in and that's totally what the movie is it's just a big die hard like sp- spoof almost but it takes itself completely serious and and it works it's a lot of fun What's the uh, the term in cinematography? It's like bo- a bottle episode, or like a bottle setting, mm-hmm. where you know you, your characters don't leave the single setting, and it's kind of right. like close than usual. Usually, it's like a room or apartment, or like Die Hard, it's an entire building. Yeah, and for the most place, the the film takes place all on on one building. It's about the it's about a convention basically. Um, a hero convention? Yeah, kind of. It's like a once a uh, year hero convention that happens on this island, and uh, everybody's there. Uh, but they end up uh, getting, you know, it gets locked down just like it did in Die Hard, and then they instead they have to like climb up to the top, just like um, raid, raid. Yes, similar to the the movie Raid. <laughs> um, I was gonna say just like uh, the Bruce Willis, but then you you threw me off with Raid. Yeah. But, yeah, great movie. I'm giving it an 82 out of 100. Um, I like My Hero Academia a lot. It Watching this reminded me of why My Hero's in my top 10 anime of all time. Um, it, and it was just kind of refreshing to see these characters, like, still trying to come onto themselves. Midoriya's still trying to figure out his powers. Um, no one had any of their hero uh, costumes on because they all think they're going to this, like, convention-type ball-type thing. So they're all, like, dressed up to in the nines. They they have original characters for it because it's it's original movie. It's not adapted from any of the manga, but it literally to me it felt like a four episode 
um, anime adaptation. Like it was that good of, of mm-hmm. writing. You know, it was that consistent. Um, my biggest downfalls are that the animation looks just like the anime, which usually is a good thing. But for me, when I watch a uh, anime film or a film adapted on an anime already established, I want the animation to be better. Like Naruto, it notches up the animation and it looks better than the actual anime. Like I want it to like be elevated to another level. Or else I think I'm just going to be kind of disappointed that it wasn't just an episode in the anime. Yeah, I was, that's like literally what I was going to mention. It's like when you start watching Shippuden and then you like you start peppering in the movies with Shippuden, like early Shippuden, it's like, well, this shit freaking is crazy. They right. spent so much time just animating the movies. Well, that's what I'm saying. They usually have a bigger budget, so they're able to do something a little bit more grandiose for the movie. And especially when it's original like that, I'm thinking, oh, damn, like let me get some real like vibes but it one to one looks exactly the same even at the very end like the big battle it's it's just cg that looks kind of cheesy have, have you seen the movie i've not seen that movie no i i haven't seen any of my my hero movies yeah I, me neither up to this point and i don't know why i haven't because like i said i watched naruto once i watched the dragon ball once so i don't know we gotta get on it bro yeah and now i'm you know watching jujitsu kaisen movies and exactly movies and it's like I, I i should give them the time of day because they're probably extremely worth it yeah been for um, the doubt at least but i do agree with you very much like that first like season one and two of my hero i it, it can't even be like that long ago but i do feel very like nostalgic about it right and also like even it was like was it season four where that and endeavor has the like character shift right like that's like one of my favorite scenes in anime ever and it's it's like it's just so cool and i feel nostalgic about it and i probably watched it for the first time like just a couple of years ago uh what anime are you bringing forth toward thy maze of 2020th um forgive thy uh for i have only watched 18 episodes of a 22 episode series uh, 24 episodes but i sh- all shall be forgiven even that 22. sin that 20. thou has partaken in 22 i double checked 22 wow it's so, a it's a shorter season yes um so i'm i'm currently in the throes of psycho pass season one season one season one psycho pass um for whatever reason this has been uh recommended alongside of like samurai shampoo and you know just uh uh uh, Cowboy Bebop and uh, um, Full Metal Alchemist for whatever reason. So you're you're saying a bunch of S tier anime. I would say this is an A tier anime. That's what I'm getting getting at too. I don't, I don't know why um, every TikTok, every YouTube, every Google search uh, throws Psychopaths in with those. Um, it, granted, it's a very good show. Um, it's very interesting. I I think I, I the main thing that I loved about this show. Um, is pacing like it has right. one of the best paced animes like I've ever watched for sure. Um, I mean, uh, that's what I would probably equate to like a Samurai Champloo or a Cowboy Bebop is that it's paced very cinematically. You're getting bits and pieces of information. And then once you get like, like it's not even till like episode 10 where you get like the real uh, like realization that like there's a main villain um, and it's probably not till like episode f- 15 or 16 where it's like you find out this, what this villain is capable of, capable of. So in, in the same sense of like a, a Samurai Champloo or a Cowboy Bebop, it's like expertly, expertly paced. 
Yeah, I I, I would agree on that stance that I uh, really like uh, the way the story just develops as a whole. Um, the whole entire thing is like a um, the plot is really engaging. It takes that all that mystery element that we were talking about earlier when I was comparing um Moon Knight kind of mysterious. It, it really runs with that f- uh, full fledged, and you're it kind of unwinds in front of you as the characters figure things out. And that's like if any kind of it's a, a cop thriller essentially. Any kind of cop thriller you want it to, to unravel. Yeah, you want it to be very slow. You want your protagonist to be mysterious for a few episodes, and they did all that well. And you find you you get you're fed this information about the people um, that you're following, like v- just very slowly, little tiny morsels of food, and until until and th- and then you realize, like back upon the you know past ten episodes, like oh, that's why this person did this. That's why this person acts this way. And it's like it's very uh you you get a great return on your investment. Um, and then other than that, uh, the, uh, setting is very interesting too. It's a, you're in this like post, uh, uh, like almost like singularity, like technology has gone as far as it possibly can. Yeah. I would say it's like very lightly cyberpunk world. Yeah. And then maybe not like visually or like dressed, like they still, no. they, everyone still kind of like has a normal modern, uh, modern take on it. But the technology would be like your room is a hologram and you're it's interactive. Right. Um, so you can kind of like every time you wake up, it's whatever you want it to be. Um, there's like a, so then in that case, maybe more like Blade Runner is what I should specifically say. Yeah. Cause they're, they're not dressed too crazy in like Blade Runner, but it's no. more like the technology and like the atmosphere. Yeah. Blade Runner is a little crazy. You get some like, uh, you get some see through, uh, you know, full suits and stuff like that. Whereas like this, right. And, and no one's really like wearing a lot of technical gear. Whereas like, I feel like Blade Runner, they're like wearing a lot of technology here. It's just like, it's either embedded in your eyes or it's, it's a small watch. Like it's nothing too invasive. Um, there's like a VR game that like most people spend their time on. But the main thing about, uh, specifically police and crime is it's kind of like a minority report situation where, um, you have this uh, psychopath aura or this crime aura, um, and it basically bases your uh, potential to commit crime. Um, so as far as the police force, you have these, uh, what are they called? Um, you have a, a, a head investigator, um, and they watch, they watch over these, a pair of investigators watch over six or so. Um, they're called latent criminals. So people who... Uh, are to their crime coefficient is too high to interact with society. So they, uh, the trade off instead of them like going to jail or being executed, if their crime efficiency is too high, they work with the police to catch other criminals. Yeah. And the main gimmick of the whole show is that the guns determine who's uh, guilty and not guilty. Yeah. The, the, what is it? The devastators. Yeah. Devastator. The dominators, the dominatrixes. Um, those are, those are pretty badass. you know, anime weapon if i do say so myself so they're all like fingerprint based you can only you know use it if you're uh, allowed to and you can only shoot people that have a high enough like crime coefficiency it's um dominator is what it's called dominator but yeah great great design great kind of like that's that's the um black mirror catch it's like this gun decides who's guilty and who's not so you can only shoot people that are guilty but the the whole crux is like what if you can't shoot the person who's guilty yeah what what happens then yeah, so it's like who watches the Watchmen, 
comes with a great kind of paradoxical situation. Um, just unravels really, really smartly. Uh, I'm a big, big fan. I ended up putting it on my top 50 anime of all time. I have it number 22, so I, I really like it a lot. Yeah, we're going to go with uh, uh, 79. Interesting. Um, we like that number here today. Yeah, it, it is all over my uh, notes file for sure. That that range is what I consumed in this month for whatever reason. Cusp of greatness. Um, yeah, but I, I do really, I mean, honestly, I do like the show. Um, the villain and the protagonist are all, they're all very interesting. Um, but I think just overall, like its theme is not as catchy as any of those other, you know, S tier, um, animes are. So that's probably why it leaves kind of like a not so great taste in my mouth. Uh, but it's still an enjoyable show. And I think most people, if you're into anime, you should watch it. It's a pretty good show, and if you're an anime, I think you should watch it. Welcome to the video game section of the podcast. You heard them bleeps and bloops. Now you know, um, as far as in the video game sphere, um, what have you been playing, my a big friend? Yeah, also go by Big Papa. Uh, I've been playing uh, Windjammers 2. It is a PC Game Pass uh, free for... Um, it is a sequel to the original Windjammers, which is was an arcade game. Basically, it's a version of Pong where it's instead of paddles, you are humans. And instead of bouncing a pixelated ball, you're throwing uh, discs. Think like... Um, Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy. I was also going to say Frisbee Golf. So it's like discs like that, mm-hmm. like, like flying discs. And you're just kind of going back and forth. Um, this game has several different beefy men and women of varying height and sizes, um, that have two scales essentially. Is it, is it power or speed? And so the bigger the character, usually the more power, but the lower the speed, the more like middle range the character is, you know, they're about equal. And then like this, they got some small characters that are real like speedy and like can fly around. Um, the, the game plays really well. I have an Xbox, um, one controller plays really well in controller. Uh, you got a lot of different options, a lot of different mix-ups. Um, you can like lob it in the air. You can go like straight shot. You can kind of throw it slow. You can do like a curve throw. Every character has their own like special power type throw. Um, you can do like a, like a roll where it like rolls out on the ground, like it hits the ground and then rolls back. Um, there's a lot of different options, a lot of different drop shot type things. Um, it, it creates a very compelling um, back and forth, and, it, and it's quick, too. Is this the, it's like a 2v2 kind of like tennis setup, and then you're like trying to get the disc beyond the other team? Is that, is that the game I'm thinking of? It's 1v1, um, and it is it is like, it's just like Pong. You're just trying to get through the other person's side. Yeah. Um, there's different scoring blocks. Uh, each There's different maps as well, so each map has a different scoring block. Um the top portion of the map um, usually is like your five points and the middle portion is your three points and the bottom is your five. So it's usually like three, five, three and some mix it up. Um, I've been playing a lot with uh, video game designer uh, extraordinaire himself, Charles McGregor. Um, we played a lot of late night sessions on Windjammers 2. We got kind of so good that we were just going back and forth. Um, you know, we just changed the character, changed the map. We, you know, different people would win sets. I changed the rules a little bit. I think it's like first to 15 instead. We dropped it to first to 21 because that was a little bit more compelling. And we'd, I'd do like best of five. So that way we, we could have like a real showdown. Um, it turns, show, showdown, hoedown? Showdown, hoedown. 
uh, my map was casino. And the reason why casino, A, home field advantage, but B, because there's only one scoring zone. It's the entire thing. And every single time you score, it changes the scoring. So it could be mm. either, it could be worth one point. It could be worth two points. It could be worth three points. It could be worth five points or it could be worth eight points. So when, you know, when uh, you get like a really cool shot, but, but then the other person's like, yeah, enjoy that one point. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh worked that volley up all the way for that one point, and then you just get like a lucky bounce on the eight points because you just caught your opponent off guard going the wrong direction. And you're like, damn it! And in in good casino fashion, it's like cycling randomly. Yes, absolutely. So you might you might not have the eight point like. Yeah, it's not going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No, it, you could get a lot of twos. You could get a lot of threes. I think those are more common. I, I don't know if there's like a percentage. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that would be. I mean, in all fairness, you probably want to see one through five more than you see eight. Right. Um, but there's a lot of good characters. Each one of them's from like a different country. Uh, we got some Canadians. We got we got the some Americans, Japanese, Korean, Brazil. You just show me some character art right now. Uh, yeah. So this this is my boy, uh, H Max. He looks like he's American, but really he's a, he's a fat Canadian with like a American goatee like looking thing. I love the the crossover like Midwestern country and Canadian country. So it, it's always like aesthetically they're the same thing, and and like people wise they're they're the exact same thing. Um, this looks fake, but there's a there's a <laughs> apparently there's a hidden character called Discman, and the, the um, game journalist wrote how to unlock Discman in Windjammers Two. I might have to uh, oh, figure yeah, out how to unlock him. Pretty good, uh, very uh, I dubs esque. If I do say so myself, the the game like the the colors are like very bright. Lots of like the, each kind of animation has its own like um, big Excelsior type like fire and explosion and like a different kind of thing. So it, it makes the game very visually compelling and like it makes it a lot easier to follow. Yeah, what's the what's that art style called? That um, animation style, like w- Wolf Among Us, and yeah, uh, kind of like cell shaded a little bit. Yeah, cell, uh, but obviously like way more vibrant and less like dirty. Just putting dirt on people's faces. Um, much more neon. A, a lot of characters uh, came back from the first game. If you're a fan of the arcade, uh, the big one being uh, K Vessel, who's uh your big German boy. He was the Highest uh, power, lowest speed, and uh, I got I had a, I had a few wins with him. He he looks uh, neon German German techno uh, aesthetic for sure. Right, he's rocking the mullet. Um, but overall, really fun game. Um, it, it's it's a blast, and I think my time I spent with Charles was the absolute highlight because every time we got online, we always were a little depressed when um it said ten active players um granted we were playing late at night like around midnight but um that's overall the entire game <laughs> yeah wow so and, and it released in january so it's not like it's an old game yeah you guys can like barely get a league together y- yes yes um <laughs> I, I actually would be we've played every character i would be interested in making like a tier list um of, of every character mm. Um, but my, my big, uh, my boy S ho, um, from Korea, he's got this like firecracker type disappearing, um, special. 
And so it's like you, you throw it and, it and it goes one way and then it just teleports to the other side. That one's pretty hard to follow. Um, I got uh, burnt up a lot by uh, the the little little quick boy, Jay Reposa. But I mean, overall, that's, that's the fun part is you just find the character that works for you. Um, you can just dink around, have fun. It's, it's, a, it's like one of the best like 1v1 type experiences you can have. It's super arcadey, super fun. Uh, I'm giving it 87 out of 100. It's pretty nice. You guys should open up the professional scene. If there's only ten people playing, like we're guaranteed to be the the top level professionals in that game. Top ten players of all time. Yeah. All right, in the video game landscape world, what what do you got for me, Darian Rainey? Um, it's interesting that you uh had a recommended or I'm waste capping the uh, gameplay podcast. Okay. Um, because one of their most recent episodes is on the game Firewatch, which has probably been chilling in my library, never played for like a while. I just like kind of like picked it up on a whim. And then I saw that and I was like, oh, I can probably play Firewatch in a single day. Yeah, then, it's a quick game. And then also uh, bring it back here so I can waste the rest of my month playing um, Evil Dead. Ah, um, so... Firewatch, you you completed, beat it, completed, baby. Wow, very nice. Um, the the gameplay episode is a lot of fun to kind of hear them break it down. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, a little bit more on that later. Um, but now we're talking about Firewatch. Um, what would you what? First of all, what console did you play on? I played on the PS4. Oh, interesting. Um, what, was it just like a free like PS Plus game that we we probably got or something? Yeah, either that or I I also have a memory of like picking it up on sale. Mm. And when I looked now, it's like it's still like only like twelve bucks. So I assume I either got it for that or cheaper. Um, it is kind of an older game. What is it like twenty sixteen? Yeah, I think so. Um, but it it is a short, sweet uh, uh indie developer's first uh breakthrough game. Um, it you play as this uh uh every uh introvert's uh wet dream as a uh. Uh, a fire tower watchman uh, <laughs> like literally everyone just you know every every introvert ever would be like oh i get to read books out in the forest and dig holes um perfect for me uh yeah but um your the idea is that um you go through your daily tasks and you're you know you're what you're it's this open map that you're stumbling around and you you don't have like a heads up display it's really you just using a map and a compass to walk around this uh you're patrolling your firewatch area um and uh it it was very reminiscent of like a point and click nancy drew game um which i played with my siblings when i was young like we probably ripped through like five to ten of those um all sitting just at the same computer like brainstorming what to do next um very classic classic feeling of that um, just how there's sort of a, somewhat of a mystery going on. Um, you're discovering things out in this forest that are uh, a little concerning, a little interesting. Um, but overall, it's like all based of like where you want to go. Like if you want to go walk around, if you want to go explore, um, and uh, you're basically the entire time, the only other voice that's guiding you is the uh, in the person in the next Firewatch Tower next to you uh delilah so who's uh character 
<laughs> she's quite the character, but your only correspondence is through radio. So you're walking around and you're having these full on conversations about stuff you're seeing or stuff that's going on um, just through the radio. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. And you, there's actually like a lot of um, dialogue options for you. Not that they like exactly change the game a lot, but they do, um, the, you know, you could be, you can be cutting conversations short or extending them through your own information. Um, Firewatch is four to five hours. Um, Rushed, it's three hours. Um, Leisure, the slowest time, is 10 hours. Um, But pretty much everyone looks like average four to five hours. Yeah, I think I averaged it around four to five hours. Um, Pretty sick. If you see it, it is very much like an indie game. Right. It's kind of a... Walking simulator. Walking simulator, but you you do some climbing, and, and you're mainly there for the dialogue, really. Right. Um, you have these. You're constantly communicating through the radio. Um, like I said, there's a bit of non-spoiler. There's a bit of a a, a mystery to be solved. Um, I I do wish that it was like kind of like a a grander mystery, a, a bit more of a conspiracy theory, but it I- does finish in um Nancy Drew fashion. I had a feeling. So I started this game actually maybe three months ago without even talking to you. Maybe two months ago at this point. I have it downloaded on my computer. And I started it and I really, really like the sound design. As someone who's like, that's that's my big harp is sound design. I'm like, I feel very passionate about sound design. That's something I'm really interested in. That's something I did a lot with my uh, film um, special assignment at work. I really care about like that element of it all. Um, and so it's, it was great. It's great hearing like her voice through this like radio filter. Um, it's great. Like hearing people shout at you from distant, hearing like the crunchy rocks, like kind of hearing your, your internal dialogue. I only played through the first day. Um, but, mm-hmm. but what goes on and what transpires on that first day was like, it stuck with me. Like even I still remember it cause it's like very specific choices that you can make. Um, like, and just things that, you know, your main character says to himself, he's kind of like a loafish like protagonist, like Almost, I would compare him more to like uh, it takes two. Um, Cody, that yeah. main protagonist, um, he's definitely got like a troubled past a little bit. Um, but it, it's good quippiness. It reminds me of like uh, the Death Loop. Um, the two protagonists is kind of like they're back and forth, like um, willing to like not not let go of the punches. It it sounds kind of authentic dialogue, even though it is very scripted. Yeah, well, th- these two people are like basically living as uh authentically as they can you know what i mean so like when they're having like they isolated themselves because they wanted to have like a a peace of mind so like when two people like that are interacting it's kind of like they're very uh raw with each other as far as like conversation goes yeah but overall i liked my experience and do you think i should finish the game you should probably finish it. I, I liked where it finished. You you do get to do some other things besides just walk around. Mm-hmm. Um, you There's moments like you get an axe and you kind of like cut down trees for your path or um, what else? You kind of uh, there. I mean, eventually um, unseen, maybe a natural forces kind of make the uh, push the story uh, a lot further than it would go especially in that first day um and you also the relationship you build kind of goes uh a lot a lot bigger than in that first day as well i'm I'm sure overall um i think i want to give firewatch a 78 nice um solid game uh almost you know 
great, except, uh, like you said, you you do kind of just walk around and look at the map and uh, get story from your radio. So it's like it, there's not much to do. Um, even then, it's like a quick game. I, I didn't expect it to be like a huge, massive indie hit and like break down my doors and be like, everyone needs to play this game. It's just a short, sweet, uh, pretty interesting game to play. I do like me a good... Um just the the lack of like I don't have to be like overly competitive. I don't have to sink myself into this lore of the story. It's like I, I I like it walks me sometimes. You know, it's walking me through the forest. I do like me a good physical map. Like when I'm in a video game and they actually pull out a real map and like you they're holding it up and like not it's not the game's not paused. Like I love mm-hmm. that in Jedi Fallen Order and I and I did like that with um Firewatch as well. Yeah, and you like you you can, but you it's like it's kind of hard. A lot of times I'd just be sprinting through the forest and like trying to go somewhere quickly and then I, I'm lost and I pull up the map and it's like I have to stop to like be able to read this. So that's a nice like game game mechanic. All right, next up we're going to be talking about some board games. In my case, we're going to be talking about a card game. We're going to be talking about Coup. The only like board part of it is there's like a, these like coins you get but essentially it's a hidden role game also known as a social deduction um you've got two cards in your hand and they are two separate roles and they can do different things um nobody knows what your roles are there's only five options but uh the objective is to uh kill all the other players cause a coup um and so you spend seven coins and you um you murder them and once you're the last one standing you win uh the tricky part is how you obtain the coins so one role can uh, if you say hey i'm the duke i take three coins and then people can either say okay go ahead or they can challenge you that's 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 the bluffing part of the game is like do you risk challenging it or do you think they're telling the truth imagine Uh, imagine if you uh lose a challenge they get the coins and you don't and then if you win a challenge you get their coins um, close, even higher stakes. If you win the challenge, meaning you prove that you have the Duke, they lose one of their characters. One of the characters dies. So now they only have one card in their hand. And Bonkers. Then, and then your Duke goes back in the deck, you shuffle the deck, and then you draw again. You may be able to redraw the Duke again, or you may get a new roll. Big fat Duke. Uh, it costs seven coins to, uh, to coup. So that's why you're trying to take three coins at a time, right? Because you're, you're, everyone's going to say they're the Duke, but there's only three Duke cards, so not all six players or how many ever you're playing with can be the Duke. Um, then there's some free actions you can do. Like you can take one coin, right? You, everyone can take one coin for free, but if you try to take two coins, it's called uh, tax income, then it can be canceled by the Duke. The Duke can be like, oh, I'm the Duke, yeah, I cancel that. And, yeah, bro, and then you, you don't deserve that. Then you just got to say, okay, and then you get zero coins that turn. You, either you challenge it and lose a card or you get zero coins so it's like is the safest play just one coin one of the other roles can steal coins from players the captain can take two coins from a player uh one of the co- roles can assassinate someone for only three coins so instead of seven it takes three one of the roles is like your um not reverse no card but your like block card you so you block an assassination from happening to you you're like hey i have the contessa you can't assassinate me the double do can is probably pretty good um, no, no, you don't, you want two different roles. I mean, double Duke hand is good because then you can at least know that only one other person can have the Duke card because there's only three in the deck. Um, 
But uh, if the, the the real tricky part where you you can totally get yourself caught is if I say I'm the assassin, I spent three coins, and you say I challenge that, then I prove I'm the assassin. Not only do you lose a card because you fail the challenge, but you get assassinated. So you lose both your cards in one in one phrase. I challenge that you lose both your cards and you're out of the game. That's funny. So it, it's it's tricky in the way that these five characters interact with each other. I know there's more characters. Um, because there is like an expansion that kind of they replace it. You only ever play with five roles, but you can kind of swap out and interchange them. I have played uh, with other people. Um, Stakes are very high, right? Um, and, and so I've I've kind of seen what some of those other roles are as the base game, which is all I'm rating right now, not the any of the expansions. The base game, I'm probably gonna give it a seventy. Um, I think it's good, but it's borderline okay, borderline fine. Um, it's it's. It definitely needs, I, I need that expansion to be able to, to sw- switch the gameplay. Because right now, the Duke is so powerful, I think I have to take the Duke out. It's just, it's just everyone wants to claim to be the Duke. And then the, for the people that do have it, then it's like, well, now, crap, should I challenge that? Or like, who, how can I tell who is and who isn't? I mean, any social deduction game is based on your group and who you're playing with. Yeah, the Duke rules the deck a little bit too much. But we, we also played Bang the Dice game, which I featured on this podcast um, the beginning of uh, 2021. And um, that game is just so much better, just infinitely better for a social deduction game because a you know who the sheriff is immediately, so you know one of the roles, and everyone else is trying to follow suit, and they're either a renegade, they're either uh, outlaw or one of the deputies, and so you're trying to figure it out. So there's there's so much more of a different element, and also might I mention I love role playing in Bang the Dice game. Uh, we recently played it, and uh, I I was playing as a character named Vulture, but I was the sheriff, but Vulture's picture looks like Voldemort. And so the entire time I was like, yes, my deputies killed him. And it created there's, a fun your impression. That, yep. That's the, that's the quota per segment. Um, uh, so DRI, what board game do you have to tell us about? Um, we're going to uh, dunk on you again um, with the uh, good old board game of Santorini. Double dunk. Um, uh, cu- currently undefeated. Just straight up, I'll drop that as a fact. Um, Official record three, you know. Yep. Uh, we describe this game as a pseudo. Uh, how do you say? Uh, abstract strategy. Abstract strategy, like uh, X and an O's. You know what I mean? Oh, a little little tic tac toe. Yeah, a little tic tac toe where little connect four. Yeah, you don't know if your moves are exact. Like you want a move that's offensive and defensive at the same time. Um, you're you're. Basically, you you play these two uh, Greek uh, gods um, against your opponent, who's also playing two Greek gods. You start on the ground floor. Um, the only way to win is to place your Greek god at a level three tower. Um, and how you get there, uh, or how you move to get there, is based upon whatever god you chosen out of the deck um, and their abilities. So. We had a lot of uh, uh, interesting interactions with um, all of the uh, gods we chose. Um, we had one that was the, probably the most interesting, our last game, whereas um, I had the ability where you can't place anything near me, um, and then your ability was to basically hop over me and uh, knock me around, basically. Yeah, I played the big minotaur bowl, and so like I could move into your space, and that would move you a space backwards. And that was kind of a fun, interesting interaction, but ended up causing me the game. Yeah, because, I mean, 
the idea of playing Minotaur is that you you bully them and not let them place towers. Um, whereas like you, because you can't be close to me and place your own towers, it was it was just a very interesting interaction, and the game like probably went on longer than most other Santorini games. Um, just because, you know, we very much had to like play with both our pieces. Um, like just because our interactions would be like, if I move too far off of my, you know, of defending my area, he would just bump me, knock me around and, you know, I'd be back on the ground and it wouldn't be very good, but I still needed to stay at least like a block close to him, um, for, to like negate him from placing anything and winning himself. So it it was just a very interesting game. Um, there's a ton of cards. There's a ton of character cards, um, which is probably like the best part of the game. Uh, just because every time you, you will probably get a different, uh, style of play every time you go. Um, I, uh, loved this game just because, um, Holden just straight up like couldn't beat me. And it was, it was <laughs> so crazy that like I, I'm sitting at the, at his, at his freshly built, uh, gaming table and, um, the, the guy like could barely even, uh, get it off the ground. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wiped his face all over his uh, fancy nude gaming table. I, I was actually, uh, I enjoyed that gameplay of uh, Santorini more than any time I've ever played before. I ended up bumping it up like a whole 10, 15 spots on my all time list because the God powers, um, after we kind of going through them, each one of them seemed overpowered. And that was something that was really cool because like, usually it's like, Oh, this is the really good one. Or this is a really good one. But each one seemed overpowered. And so it's like, oh wow like it really did maximize what a god power should be and how it works with like the basic mechanic because the game's really easy it's just move then build you move your one of your pieces and then you build up up a tower that's it it's all that is so the god powers are like the they're the variable because everything else is a constant they're the variable And, and each time we played with different powers and all six of those powers they're all variables and they're all very different very fun and even though yes i did i got oh and three swept um, I'm, I'm out of playoff contention, but I, I had a good time and I enjoyed it. And it was fun, even though like I, I still learned on, on each one and I had like interesting things that I did with my powers. Yeah. I mean, every time you draw a card, you'd be like, Oh, this is so good, dude. I'm going to freaking, this is going to be so useful. <laughs> and then like you get in the game and it's like, Oh, my strategy has completely changed and right. I'm, I'm now on the back foot and I, I'm not sure how to win from here. Um, could I give me some space to breathe? Give me some space <laughs> to drink. Um, but yeah, overall, like this is a solid 84. Um, I, I, I know we can play this like over and over again and have a bunch of fun with it. Um, but still it it is kind of just a simpler game. Um, there's nothing else really to it. There's no, you're, there's no like a superficial goal. Like, you know, you play other games or like a social deduction game where there's like a a big finish win. It's just, it it, it ends very tic-tac-toe, you know what I mean? The game's over and you've lost your investment to it. So draw new cards and play again is basically the best way to uh, love this game. Absolutely. I have it ranked number 43 on my top uh, 80 board games of all time. So I'm I'm right there with you. Maybe a little bit cooler, but I, th- I think it's a lot of fun and you definitely will get better with more gameplay. I mean, I've, I've had it for a few years too, so it's kind of fun to like dust out a abstract strategy game, which is a top three genre of all time for board games for me and, and be like, Oh, this is yeah. a fresh new experience with someone else. Yeah. They all have like just crazy potential to be like your favorite game. In the comic book world, I was inspired by a movie that I watched and talked about last episode 
the Batman. Matt Matt Reeves is the Batman. Reeves is Re- Matt Reeves. Matt Matt Revise. Um, and I I I've been wanting to get this comic for a long time. I hear speculation that the next Batman might have this villain. Whatever. Uh, but one hundred percent, the Gotham Knights video game was is going to feature this villain, and I knew that even before any of these trailers came out because I've been talking about it. But and without further ado, it is Batman Court of Owls. And this is not a new comic by any means because it came out in 20 freaking 12. It's been 10 years since Court of Owls came out because it was part of the New 52 reboot for DC. And it was always on my radar and I heard people talk about it. I heard murmurings, but I never bought it. And I also didn't want to read it online because it was just something I wanted physical. Um, so I bought all three volumes. Um, only was able to make it through one and a half. So I'm just going to really... Re- review the first one uh, but I like where it was going in the second one um, so in, in Court of Owls Batman um, is maybe 45-ish he's been Bruce Wayne for a while he's got Nightwing um, he's got a Robin um, I think Damien Wayne's even in it um, so he's got the whole kit and caboodle uh, of, of people in his life and the whole Bat Gang's all there Um and he's heard murmurings about the the court of owls, and it's interesting that they went this route. That that there's like a nursery rhyme about him, even though they've never been brought up before. They're totally original um, uh, by Snyder, um, but he came up with this villain that, for all of the villains that exist in the Batman universe and how large and grandiose they are, the fact that they're so bone chilling and still so like convincing that they fit in this world of Gotham is crazy to me. Cause I totally thought they were going to be out of place. Not going to make any sense, but the way that it, it, it's like practically like the purge or like a cult, like that was super compelling for me to have this, this new villain be introduced to me that I'm like, Oh, this makes sense. And this also makes sense why they kind of counter Batman and all that he is as a protector and, and kind of entity of Gotham. Um, I think I've only read the Court of Owls one time, and I think it was online. Um, uh, but I kind of just read it for uh lore purposes. I I do know like back then it was like, uh, as far as like the New Fifty Two goes, it was like this new Batman villain is the craziest one ever. Um, but yeah, that's 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 really all my um. Oh, you don't really remember, huh? Yeah, not really. Not all my my notion or whatever. Like as far as like what I know from it. Um, Mike Magnola does the art on it and he's a fantastic artist. They ended up picking him up for uh, DC uh, Batman metal nights or whatever uh, later on. I think they did that in 2018. Um, but he's just, he does this really great gritty like Batman. That's like, it's like reminiscent of like um, Frank Miller style Batman, but like modernized with like digital art and whatnot. Uh, but there's a section in it that I'm like, I'm very thankful that I have a physical copy because it would be very difficult to read um, mm. because it requires like turning the book around um, oh, because interesting. the panels are like upside down. Um, and so like that was something that was like, oh, so fitting for what they're trying to show me. Um, but like also I was like, I'm glad I have this in my hands because it like it really puts me into that state of mind that Batman is in yep. and, and he is deranged. For sure would elevate it a lot. Um, what do you rate it, bro? Just between this first volume and a half, I I, I can tell this is gonna be all time favorite story for me. I I love the idea. I love the concept. I think this is a masterpiece 
of masterpieces. Perfect for me. Five out of five stars. I'm giving a 97 out of 100. I, I'm just, I was totally blown away with where the writing was. The fact that you're still able to make Batman interesting and like make his choices and words matter and like take some of the classic Batman tropes and cliches and still like make them fun and make like his interaction with Nightwing, who is his Nightwing's best outfit yet, is like a red Nightwing versus like the blue outfit and like still just like come up with something that is is just super super interesting and engaging and like the the villain talon is so different than i was expecting him to be and um i i loved everything about the psychological horror the cultiness the the purge every reference that maybe draw or drew from this um i i really 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 liked it yeah i'm getting big uh uh borrow vibes from it yeah for sure vibes for sure i will borrow that to you thanks dude all right, happy birthday, bro. We'll start with that. Um, happy birthday to me, dude. Uh, on your birthday, uh, I gave you a gift that, um, might I add, I would only probably give to you. Out of everyone I know in this world, this specific gift, I it was a comic, spoilers, I would only give it to you because I know you and I know our relationship and I know I can give you something that has not been vetted. Whereas like other people, I'd be like, oh, I've read this. I'm going to give this to you. Mm. But like, I think I know you so well that I'm like, I can look at something. I can kind of flip through it, whether it be like a a movie, a anime, whatever. I can kind of skim through it and determine, yeah, do you guys really like this? So what did I give you, bro? Um, You gave me Corpora round one. Um, This is a very, you know, think of your uh, Suicide Squad, Mm -hmm. very reminiscent of Suicide Squad or... Um, uncanny x-men something where the it's the it's the not so uh good bad guys um out in the world trying to do good mm-hmm. um uh even down to the point where they have basically a, a government handler um who's created and picked the team um uh the thing about this one is that there's been uh, so many iterations of the team that they have just a long lineage of past members um visually i think it's it's straight up my alley um Mm -hmm. i even like down to the uh the texture of it like it's it's just like a very rough like straight up it's watercolor paper right um it has like a nice like cream tea color to it um which uh only enhances it so much more when i'm like i like the spaces in between the colors um and as far as the colors themselves like are just like very thick heavy um, you could say like watercolor marker, like marker esque, uh, um, and then beyond that would be like the uh, character design, and it, it it is very interesting. You feel you, it's like a very uh, a, a a different direction, like it's less modern, and it's almost like weird looking eighties, uh, early nineties kind of like right. villains and costumes. Um, especially the villain himself, he has like this big, it, it's, it's just a guy in a suit. Like he's, there's nothing like super special about him. There's, uh, he, he gets powered up through, um, a certain, uh, item in the story. Um, but it's just, uh, it, other than that, he's just a kind of a guy and he has like this big triangle head and like uh, a mask with just eyes. And he's like, his sleeves are rolled up and he, he, he looks weird and interesting, almost like a, like anthropomorphic like grasshopper or something like that. I I thought he looked very interesting. Whereas like there's other people like that just look like a normal guy and he's like uh very uh 
how do you say like a like Punisher style? Like he's just like right. wearing guns and a vest, and he uh, you learn later he's like just a like a cyborg uh, mercenary esque person, and um, it, all the characters look just cool and interesting to look at, which was uh, a big plus for me. Um, there's there's also a half like a, a man missing his bottom torso, so he strapped himself to a tank. <laughs> like there's a there's very very interesting characters in this unique, um, yeah, very unique and all drawn very uniquely, and um, I, that's what kind of drew me to it with you. I was like, I, I knew aesthetically it was up your alley, and I, yeah, I, I couldn't vouch for anything that was going on in, in the plot wise, but aesthetically, I knew that was right up your alley. And e- even though it has like this this goofy like, really, it's like it's almost like tasteless like bad villain like bad comic book trope or like a, a parody of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still panels that are like, uh, like a, f- a very specific panel. It's like this guy, he's, it's like his face is getting melted off and like you get the whole spectrum of like pink, blue and gray and yellow and red. And then you see his like skull peeking through, like it's, wow. it's very cool and interesting and very graphic and detailed. Whereas like there's other frames that are like, you know, it just might be a singer, single silhouette, like jumping through the skyline. And it's like those things like in a comic book, I, I fall in love with it instantly. Um, as far as like the story goes, it's pretty, uh, a simple, like, uh, revenge. Um, this original corporate team that you meet in the beginning is, is ambushed and they have, they end up losing some members. So they have to go and uh, request help from past members. And it's basically a big team up of these former corporate team members. And you find some very interesting characters that I hope like they extend the stories of. Um, but this, this one specific member of the team has his, uh, uh, I guess it's his, uh, hometown, um, basically destroyed by the villain. And from then on, you, uh, have to have this like basically huge team up because the villain obtained a very specific, powerful, uh, ability. Um, and other than that, like, there's not much more to the story. It's, it's more, uh, drawn on by these just very interesting characters and like seeing all these weird eccentric uh villain-esque people like have goofy conversations in in the midst of like bloody uh disgusting uh graphic fights right on yeah um i'm glad you liked it um how much did you like it what's your rating bro um we're gonna be uh right at the 78 with it mm-hmm. um i think it, it would benefit from it being taking those characters and maybe like removing four or five of them because like you end up with like a 10 person team uh um so there's like there's people who only got like a two-page justice of a inter uh introduction um which some people probably shouldn't have gotten and been cut out or some people should have had like four or five pages um i do think it would definitely benefit from like dumbing the team down um to the few core characters that like interact with each other nice and then having that team um, be solid instead of like them just helping out the one-time thing deal that, that's in every like team up um, and having them like work together for something else that's a little li- less personal for one person or uh, some some something else some something else driving the team besides one's personal vendetta two questions have you seen the new suicide squad yes um, do you feel like there's any comparison there um, yes especially when it's like uh I don't want to spoil too much for either one, um, but it's similar how uh, you'd, you'd say the the team is, is broken and disbanded, 
and they have with the parts that they have left they have to work together to uh complete the mission basically okay cool and uh my second question is um and i didn't have a second question sure i'll give you an i'll give you a second answer just for fun yeah good job the father-son podcasting microphone it just has to get you through three awkward years before you can both start drinking together that's a good one all right so talking about uh, uh podcast now we're moving on to this i i want to tell you bro i'm not kidding you when i tell you this is the greatest episode one of any podcast i've ever seen the greatest pilot episode of any podcast i've ever listened to better episode one than episode one the podcast that's how good it is it's it should have been in episode one the podcast episode like it's such a great concept the problem with the show is that it keeps going um so the name of the show which is crazy that it's a problem because a lot of shows that's not oh hey i remembered what I, the question i was asking you uh copra are you gonna uh, read the next um I definitely next read next volume. Yeah, I definitely am more interested. I I think I would need to see like, uh, what characters it follows and who it is before I like would buy it. Um, I probably won't buy it blind. I'll right. read some reviews on it. But as far as like, uh, I love the style and stuff like that. I, I need more of them, uh, in and around my library. So I'll just get you uh, uh one every birthday for the next. Fair enough. Ten birthdays. That's what my uh, my sister in law. She's gives me a. Paper Girls uh, volume each year. I, I'm, I'm worried what she's going to give me for Christmas on the, the year after she's. No, you can't double up. That's after, no, double after up no, in a year. After she's caught up though, and like, or once Paper Girls is finished, and like she has oh, no yeah. more volumes to give me, I don't know what. I, I don't know what's next. You might get some duds. Yeah, I know Paper Girls has been so good to me. Um, so uh, back to the name. The name of the podcast is Hello from the Magic Tavern. I found Hello from the Magic Tavern very unconventionally. It was um, on Spotify. I never click. I never really listened to podcasts on Spotify other than my own. Uh, I use Pocket Cast for everything, but there was just one that was like um, recommended for you, and I was like, it said "Hello from the Magic Cavern." Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like I, it's kind of one of the only podcast platforms that like recommends really hard. Right. It's it's like I do kind of faithfully get a different podcast recommended to me, like either biweekly or monthly, which is nice. And so uh, I, was, I don't see anyone else kind of like really using an algorithm to like whether it's like basically using an algorithm or just you know pushing popular shows to you um yeah i don't see any other uh platform that really has a recommended tab as well as that like especially the uh apple one it's like the same like six shows for like a year as i continue sipping from my sipping soda i've noticed on the side instead of nutritional facts it says supplement facts it's a dietary supplement brother I'm, i'm all done I know you you uh, sip, slamming it. You sipped it away. Um so Spotify recommended it to me based on nothing really. Um and I the the most unsatisfactory part is that the podcast premiered in 2015 and they're still making episodes. So it's a lot of scrolling to get done in episode 1 cuz I needed to figure it out. You know you can uh just <laughs> filter it like reverse get, order. Yeah. Come on. I do now. <laughs> um, My bad, bro. Needless to say, I, I I played episode one and I was blown away. 
the very bare bones premise. And he tells the, the unfortunate part is that he tells you the premise at the beginning of every episode. He said, Hey, if you haven't listened to this, he tells you the premise of every episode. He says, I fell through a portal um, out front of a, a Burger King parking lot, and now I've transported into the magical land of Foon, which is like a fantasy land, like think like um, Lord of the Rings. And uh, and he's a podcaster in the real world, so he decided, okay, I'm just going to pod- I, I brought my podcast equipment with me. I'm going to podcast here from Food. He says he's got a slight Wi-Fi signal from uh the burger king he thinks it's coming from the uh, like a small portal from burger king it's a, it's a tiny little portal so he's able to like slip notes through and stuff um and he has two people on on it he's got two regular hosts with him he's got usador who's a wizard um who every single time he's introduced he has like tw- 12 to 15 titles that he says he's like i am usador the wizard the dwarves know me as me elvin Uvis. In the West, I am known as Igor the Great, uh, and I have many other names that you shall not know me by. And I mean, he's a lot longer than that. But many names that haven't been spoken in years. And then he also has um, a shape shifter, a changeling uh, named Chunt, who currently is in the form of a badger. I don't know if he ever changes, um, <laughs> but but his catchphrase is "Chunt's up with that." That's that definitely is like a a D and D character you would write. You're right. Um, it, and it's very, it's very entertaining. These three relationship to one another. Um, Usador is trying to, the reason why he's even at this, it's a, it's a bar. It's like a pub that they're at. Um, and the reason why he's even there, the, the Vermilion Minotaur is the name of the, the bar. And the only reason he's even there is because he's trying to recruit people to join him on his quest to fight the Dark Lord. And like, so like every single guest he's trying to like, he, he kind of buys them up and then he'd be like, he kind of has like a cell and he like goes into his cell voice and he's like, and if you join me, then we shall be able to fight across the land of Foon to conquer the Dark Lord. And um, it, the three are all very different. Arnie um, is the, the main uh, human and he's got a wife and, and named Sarah and a kid uh, back in Earth and like he references them, but they haven't like reached out to him. And it's it's very, very bizarre. Every single episode, they have a new guest from, like, uh, they have, like, a, a goblin that comes on. They have, like, a dragon. They have, like, one of, like, the prince in hiding, you know. Uh, they have just, like, a bard comes on. Uh, one of my all-time favorite episodes is a talking plant. And, and it's, it's like, a, they're, all, they're all improv actors. They're, like, from the Chicago area. So it's mm-hmm. the whole entire thing's pretty much improvised. I think there is, like, a slight script of like a direction they want to go with like i think they give like a character a background motivation and they just roll with it because even like the guests are from like chicago improv troupe or they have their own podcast they have their own thing that they're doing um so they're all like well-known type people i think um in the future episodes they have uh jason mazukis the guy who plays uh, uh the crazy uh character in the league he plays like the crazy cousin and he's also in uh brooklyn 99 um, but the, and I think the Arnie is a creator of Jackbox games. He's one of the, um, oh. lead developers. Um, and, and so the whole thing is fun. Um, Adol Rafai plays Chunt, um, and Adol is one of the, um, uh, uh, guys who hosts Hey Riddle Riddle, which I've featured, um, on the show back in 2020. Um, but overall, it's tons of fun. It's it's really interesting. I'm about 25 episodes in now. 
um, I, I, it's always kind of, it's all going downhill. Well, it's, it's comforting to hear their voices again and like hear the stories and like kind of follow the, there's a, there's a loose plot. They, they wreck, they like recall different, different kind of callbacks. It can be kind of crude at times because they, they do talk a lot about buttholes. Um, because Chunt is a, um, a, a character that is a badger with two buttholes. And, uh, in order to, um, change the chain, in order to like become a different kind of animal, he has to procreate with them. Um, and then once he procreates with them, he dern- then it changes into that animal. Um, and so he's just been a changeling, different, different animals. He talks about when he was different types of things. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's very interesting. The, the guests are fun. The talking plant's hilarious. Uh, it was like a talking plant that was trying to start a fight, but of course it's, it's a little plant inside of a pot. And so Arnie's like, no, I, I can just throw you off a cliff. There's nothing you can do about that. He's like, and like the pot's still like talking trash. Um, so, so tons of fun. Hello from the Magic Tavern. I'd recommend it. Um, I'm giving it the fat old 89. I think it's on the cusp of being a masterpiece. I think the first episode is a masterpiece, and I, I don't think I've ever laughed harder at any podcast ever. Like I told you, I would give that one literally a 99. Um, that that pilot episode's really good, uh, and it it just is unfortunate that as the show keeps going, they keep reusing the same tropes. That Usador keeps retelling his his like same titles. They keep making a joke about um, Hoobastank, um, the butthole jokes. It, it just kind of, it loses its luster afterwards, but absolutely listen to that first episode. Podcast, was it Isekai, if you will? It is 100% a podcast Isekai. Um, that's pretty sick, dude. I'll, I'll throw on the first episode. Yes, at the very, very, very least. Everyone should watch the first episode and enjoy it, and you don't have to keep going after that. Drop it. Drop it. Um podcast i'm bringing in uh this big old month um i mean it's also uh spotify recommended Mm -hmm. um this is the big hit show um basically it's a musical pop culture um breakdown if you will um the reason i picked it up is because this season they're focusing on uh two pimp a butterfly by kendrick lamar ah t-pab and it's uh, uh, not not just that it follows the history of uh, its place in pop culture, but it also is uh, extremely relevant due to uh, his new album and that he um, interviewed most of the parties as far as like producers, uh, Kendrick himself, um, all uh, in this last year or so. Um, so they're, they're 2021 interviews. Um, and, and the interviews are great. They're all the, basically the majority of the producers, you find like Thundercat, Thundercat, Flylo, um, these huge, like typical butterfly producers. And then all the way down to like, uh, classic soul musicians that were uh, playing on it. And, um, even, uh, Kendrick Lamar's middle school English teacher, like the interviews are crazy. And to, uh, kind of hear two pimp a butterfly from the perspective of making the record, and working with Kendrick Lamar, it's it, it's very very interesting. Um, I haven't listened to any other seasons of the show. Uh, this is the only one I'm currently interested in, uh, and I don't know if I'm gonna watch or listen to many much more uh, posts this season. But it, it is a very in depth show. So I, if there's something else on there that kind of like catches my eye and ear, uh, I'll I'd definitely give it the uh, the old touch the college try. Um, two things. One. I totally thought uh, the big hit show was going to be about like hitting a blunt. Um, I don't know why you'd be like listening to that. Dude, big hit. Um, 
not that I associate you with big blunts, but I, I know you've watched hot boxing with Mike Tyson. So that, that's what made me think of the big hit show. Um, second Fair off, enough. do they interview the K dot himself? Yes. And is it like, it's a 2021 interview of Kendrick Lamar. And how, how open do you feel like he is in interviews? Cause I feel like he's so much more raw and open, which we'll get to in his music than he is in interviews. Am I wrong? Um, at least, uh, pre and post, um, to pimp a butterfly. I think pre to pimp a butterfly, he's very young. Um, he's freshly on like popping in the music scene and he is kind of like, imagine interview interviewing any 25 year old rapper mm-hmm. is how I envision, uh, Kendrick Lamar post. It's like, he's an old veteran and he is teaching and he is learn and he, he's very aware of his own wisdom. And he's learning himself, you know, through his entire life. So in that sense, like I do find him a little bit more candid than maybe previous interviews, not as much as his music, um, but definitely more candid than say any other 30 year old rapper would be. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to take a look and see what else they have. I, I do like to pin butterfly a lot. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's got a very interesting history and a lot of people consider, um, out the best work kind of his magnum opus so yeah i think i'll give it a listen i i think i just like watching documentaries more than i do like listening about docupods on like pop culture type stuff yeah it's it's fair enough it, it does lack like the um it, at least it played that's the whole reason that like i'm going through it. it it does play a lot of the music and especially when you're talking to like you know all his like closest contributors and producers and and them talking about the music and basically walking you through songs. Um, it's not exactly like a dissect podcast where it's like song by song by song. It's really just like chapters of the album. Um, and like where and when, uh, how, how they were all developed rather than like dissect where it's like every word and every right. beat is, which literally. I think I prefer a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they both have their benefits. Um, obviously like you're not getting, uh, because I believe it was to Bimpa Butterfly that was on Dissect too, mm-hmm. um, where it's like you you realize how big the narrative is in it, and how huge like the references to uh, religion is in it, you, right? Like how actually heavy handed it is in the album. You don't really catch that on like uh, the pop culture side of like how people reacted to it and how it was perceived and received. Um, this is that most of that stuff was only like can only be decoded after a long period of time. Whereas this is mainly focusing um, of Kendrick before and during the production of to pimp a butterfly. Um, ready? Um, we're dropping the 79. It's almost great. I want to see what else, uh, you know, as far as like their other seasons go, um, see if something new catches my eye. I haven't even really looked through their back category that much but um as far as this it's like it's it's pretty in-depth they talk to a lot of lot of people um they talk to the head of td they talk to um dave free which is like kendrick lamar's right hand man they just they talk to so many people around him and they talk to him and his interview is nicely sliced into very small portions which is which is cool and fun and keeps me interested um but other than that it's it it is that your sense that it's like, I'd rather watch a do- a full hour documentary of this rather than, you know, broken up into five to eight parts in a 
podcast sort of setting. Amen, brother. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shop. All right, bro. I usually like to bring you new music, things you've never heard before. I like to have a little fun with you and be like, what do you think about this one, dude? Um, but not not happening today because I did a journey. I listened to the CrossFit podcast and I, I had a, one of my guys on there um, write in and he said, oh, I, what do you guys think about overall Weezer rankings that they were talking about Pinkerton? And so they're like, well, where does this rank in this? Yada, yada, yada. So I, was, I thought to myself, Weezer is a top 10 band of all time for me. Dare I say top five. Um, I love Rivers Cuomo. Um, the Weezer concert was my favorite concert I've ever been to. It was my favorite because uh, St. Motel was the opener, but also just as soon as Weezer came out, it was it was just a great atmosphere. It was also an underground concert. It just had, everything was right for me. Great vibe. We were pretty close to stage. Um, Rivers was just so exuding coolness. Um, yeah, it's pretty magical when like the the vibe of the venue, you get a good spot, you're comfortable. Right. right. And then the band also kicks ass. Like all of those are, you know, can make a, you know, top 20 band to a number one band for sure. For a lot of people. I I understand that feeling. Uh, Thank you for uh, relating. Uh, So what I'm going to bring to the table right now, they have 17 albums currently out. I'm going to rank the 17 Weezer albums. Um, That was the whole idea behind me listening to, I listened to every single one chronologically back to back uh, and kind of got wrote down on a list. So I'm going to tell you the name of the album, uh, the rating and the year it came out and also where where it falls in the, in the place. So it's going to be name rating where it falls in the year. Um, I remember uh, sparks brother esque. Yes. So when I listened, when I ranked sparks, um, discography, I'm going to do that again. Um, if you don't care about lists or ratings, um, you are my antithesis, but you can skip past this. Um, so number 17, I got black album. I gave that a 57. Um, that's their worst album. Isn't that their like, uh, hair rock or like rock, uh, cover album? No, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, black album. I give 56 is their 14th album came out in 2019. Um, it, it just is, it's, it's so average. It, not, if 57 is the worst that you you gave me out of a 17 album list, that's pretty good because nothing in they have below average, but this is very, very average. Just hmm. generic not fun to listen to at all. I mean, it's 2014 music. 2014 rock. 2019. 20, yes, 2019. Reason. I mean, rock in the past 10 years is not what it's <laughs> um, Number 16, I ranked, I gave Pacific Daydream. I gave that a 60. Uh, this is their 12th album from 2017. It's very poppy. Um, they have a, a, a song on there that I find um, unlistenable. It has like the millennial whoop in it where it's like, uh, whoa, you know, one of those, it's, it's terrible. Um, but they have some good tracks. QB blitz is on there. It's a lot of fun. Um, Mexican fenders fun. Uh, number 15, I have ratitude. That's their seventh album from 2009. I gave that a 70 out of a hundred that has a, if you're wondering, um, girl, if you're wondering, if I want, uh, which is a great song. Um, it also has, I'm your daddy, but otherwise there's, there's a lot of like, a lot of duds on there. I think it's a good album. Number 14 uh, ranked is OK Human. That's the 15th album from 2021. That was a recent album. And a lot of people liked that one. That was last year. I like OK Human. A lot of people liked it. Um, and I think it's a good album. But as far as overall Weezer goes. Mm, There's better. 
there's absolutely better. And, um, uh, I liked all my favorite songs on that list. Um, that's the name of the song. All my favorite songs in case added confusion. Uh, number 13, I have red album. Um, this one, I remember it so much more fonder. I, the red album I had like top five and I listened to it and really only troublemaker pork and beans and cold dark world were like the standouts. So I was like, uh, this is unfortunate. It's got a lot of duds on it, but I do love troublemaker. That's in my top. Yeah. Troublemaker pork and beans is great. Yeah. So those, that one, two hit is insane. But then you listen to the rest of it and you're like, Oh, this is just like depressing and slow and like boring. Seems like it has a lot of back end space on it. it should yes. been cut down a little it's, bit. It's top heavy for sure. Fifty nine minutes. Sheesh. Um. Then uh, they has a couple long tracks on there. Number twelve is Van Weezer. Um. This is their sixteenth album. Came out last year as well. Um. It is a seventy nine out of hundred. This is this is what I like. It's very good. Uh, Precious Metal Girl. The end of the game. I need some of that. A lot of fun. Um, this one's a controversial pick. Ready? Number 11, Green Album. A lot of people love the Green Album. Uh, it was their third release album from 2001. It has like masterpieces. That is Hashpipe, Island in the Sun, Photograph. Love those three tracks. Again, another one of those ones where it's got a lot of duds on there just that people forget about. So they're just like, oh, Green Album's incredible. It's really good. Uh, it's great even, but. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, name more than. Name more than six songs on the Green Album, idiot. Like, really? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like you, you're gonna you're gonna say Hashpipe, you're gonna say Island in the Sun, and you're gonna be like, uh, 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 and then you're gonna say something off the Blue Album. You know what I mean? Like, that's really <laughs> right, what's gonna happen. Right. Even though this one's only 28 minutes of bad, which is not, uh, not as bad. Not as bad. It's 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 a quick one. Um, number 10 is actually the album that came out most recently. It's in their Seasons uh, series. This is called Season Spring. Uh, it's their 17th album. The most recent came out in 2022. Given 81. I think it's a great one. It's got a lot of fun, like, orchestral-type, like, vibes. Even there's a rep, there's a, a direct rip sample of Beethoven's Fifth on one of those songs. It was incredible. Um, a lot of fun. Garden of Eden. It's a lot of fun. Um, 21, 20 minute, 54 second dinger, bro. It's a quick one, bro. It's a, it's like an EP. It, it You can slam through it. And I'm looking forward to the more in the season series. Um, I think they're going to have another album drop later this year. Uh, number nine, I have Hurley. Uh, that's their ninth album from 2020. 2010. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> uh, I give that an 82 out of 100. All My Friends Are Insects, Brave New World, Unspoken. Uh, this one has the Hurley from the Lost Island cover. Class, mm-hmm. classic, cl- classic because it doesn't even have anything. It doesn't have Weezer's name on it. There's no one from Weezer on it. It's literally just a CD with Hurley's face on it. It's great. Yeah, I. That's a big music head. Like I'm gonna put this record on my wall. Like, and everyone who doesn't like listen to music heavily would be like, mm, is that uh, the guy from Lost? And it's like, no, dude. That's that's Weezer's Hurley. What are you talking about? That's Weezer's ninth best album. Um, number eight, uh, on the list I have is everything will be all right in the end. That's an 82 out of hundred. That's their 10th album of 2014. That has back to the shack. Going back, back to the shack. This is all the musical impressions. Uh, meet the quota for impression per segment. <laughs> um, number seven is Maladroit, which is, this is, this is contentional because a lot of people think Maladroit's bad. It's their fourth album for 2002. People thought, yo, green album was such a masterpiece and the Maladroit, they fell. Um, uh, sorry to tell you guys, but burnt jam is a jam. 
Uh, number six, I have the White Album, which uh, little did I know, we own. And when DRI and I built the uh, a table last uh, week, um, we listened to uh, the White Album together. Uh, yeah, I like the White Album. Uh, it's their 11th album for 2016. I give it an 85 out of 100. I think it's a great album. It has California Kids, Thank God for Girls, and Do You Want to Get High? Those all sound like green album bangers, which is like crazy that they're able to emulate that in 2016. Uh, number five, this is where you get some contention up here around the five, four, and three section for me. Um, I have Death to False Metal. That's their eighth album from 2010. Um, I give that an 85 out of 100 as well. I think it's a great album. It's got Losing My Mind, I'm a Robot, Autopilot. Those are my standouts. Number four, this is the one that also everyone hates, but I thought it was, it's right up my alley and you'll see by my rating. This is Make Believe. Um, this is their fifth album from 2005. It's an 88. I think it, it's a great 88. I, I really do think it still sounds like 90s Weezer. Which, yeah, We Are All On Drugs is one of my favorite Weezer songs. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Beverly Hills is a classic. Uh, that's, that's more of their pop sound, but this is such a pity is like a fun kind of like downtrodden, like sound. Uh, yeah. I think that's what it is, is that it's 2005 and that's like when me and you were like first, like listening right. to music on our own, finding music on our own. Um, like, like the early nineties stuff is, is, is great Weezer. But like, this is, this is our Weezer and right. like especially Beverly Hills, bro. That was everywhere when we're in like when we were just young and like listening to rock and it's like beverly like it's yeah. just so classic for me it's true i was nine um the, those beverly hills was probably my first foyer into weezer and i my i want to mention that the music video was my like gateway drug because my mom loved um the the name of the show was girls next door girls whatever stupid mom show <laughs> no it was it wasn't a stupid mom show it was like a hot like like cool mom show because it's the it's the playboy mansion show with like oh yeah yeah i know what you're talking about yeah. kendra yeah. Uh, holly um and it like followed around like uh hugh hefner and the reason why it's relevant is because they had a whole episode about when weezer came to the playboy mansion and they filmed beverly hills there and it, and it it was no joke like the intro to the uh music video is like him calling up hugh and be like hey can i invite a few friends over and he's like, sure, just don't get too crazy. Don't get too crazy and up then, in the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, and then everyone comes in, and, and that's that's legit. Like, Hugh really thought it was, like, um, going to be, like, 40, 50 people, and it turned out to be, like, 200. Um, so it has a, such a cool vibe. Um, like, like, they don't have, like, gargantuan parties, like, true. every every weekend at that time. Orgies. <clears throat> and number three is the one that you were talking about. It's the Teal album. That's their cover album. Uh, that's their 13th album from 2019. I gave it an 89. It's absolutely cheating. I'm not going to dispute that because they have songs like Take On Me, Africa, Mr. Blue Sky. They even have a cover of No Scrubs, which is like one of my greatest like 90s um, pop song, R&B songs of all time. And Mr. Blue Sky, Billie Jean. Like, yeah, their Billie happy, Jean cover is kind of weak. Happy together. Uh, but Africa is like their big one. They did that, and I think they were like, oh, let's do a whole cover album. And their cover album is amazing. It's like every song is like a 90s, 80s type hit, and it gives it 100% wholehearted Weezer feel. So it takes like that Weezer feel you know and just twists it around the song. Yeah, I think that that's the best part of the album. It's just it's it, it's it's the some of the best songs of the 80s, 90s, and then injected Weezer. 
Um, number two is Pinkerton. These ones are no surprise here at the end if you know what's left. Uh, that's their second album from 1996. That's a 91 out of 100. That's a masterpiece. Uh, it's got Why Bother, Across the Sea, El Scorcho, Falling for You, just absolute bangers. Great sound. Kind of established Weezer on the marketplace. It was a commercial failure, but everybody loves it now. The cult classic. And then number one, The Lone Standing There. Nothing's going to top this ever, and I know that to be true. It's the Blue Album. It's their first album from 94 where Weezer had put all of their heart and all their time and everything that they've been establishing into that first album and just every single song is a hit just like you mentioned everything good is on the on the blue album uh you have the sweater song undone you have in the garage which is a top three weezer song for me and you also have saying it so uh which might i add the first time i heard saying it so was the first rock band um yeah probably the same for me and the the funny part was i read it and i was like oh i, I love saying it so Saying it so I wanna go turn the lights off, and then I, I love that song. <laughs> I realized as a little uh, tween, I was like, "Oh, this isn't that same song." <laughs> Later to find out that's Blink One Eight Two Adam's song. Yeah, uh, you you booted it up and it's like, "Bro, what is this?" Yeah, garbage? I was like, "What the hell?" I was so disappointed. But then obviously it grabbed me. I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of sick." I'm like, "Oh, this is the same guy that do Beverly Hills." <laughs> is the Beverly Hills guy? Whoa, whoa! This is the Weezer. Um, is that Weezer himself? That's Mr. Weezer. Uh, I'm gonna play a uh, song for you guys that proves that uh, Weezer is uh, will uh, never die. Weezer will never die. Weezer the, off the new album. Weezer will live on forever. Sure, we'll play something from Season Spring. I'm going to play opening night. It's just totally different. If you uh, haven't seen Weezer in a while, you're going to get a little treat out of this one. One night out under the stars. One night out under the stars. With Romeo and Juliet. One night out under the stars. One night out under the stars. Have you seen this one yet? Shakespeare makes me happy. Shakespeare makes me happy. So happy and I'm happy to be with you. Shakespeare makes me happy. Shakespeare makes me happy. So happy and I'm happy to be with you. We may be garden variety, but we can step inside. Autism or a mind, we get a wider view. Some universal truth, and when we step inside, that's when we realize this is your life. And that was opening night by Weezer. What did you think of that, Rye? Um, I think I agree with you. Uh, I would love to see uh, this change throughout the seasons. Because mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that felt very, it was just like very springtime. It's very exciting. feels very fresh. Um, the the na-na-na's like really got me like in that springtime dancing through the meadow move mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Weezer is exceptionally good at, uh, you know, um, creating uh, authentic uh, emotions. So I I would be excited to have like a very chill or like laid back summer and maybe even a more like depressed, moody winter. Um, uh, Rivers Cuomo is a genius and uh, I really wish we saw his last tour because I heard it was amazing. Interesting. Yeah, I... um. I really like that song a lot because it's it's different than what you're used to. Like I said, there's a it's a, it's Ode to Joy or it's something it's some kind of classic like 
classical song that they're taking that riff from. Um, but then they, it opens up uh, during its chorus part of being like this kind of like heavier rock type like anthem. And it's just crazy how Rivers does not age. He has sounded like that. He's had that incredible iconic voice since 94, since the Green, or uh, since the Blue Album, which is kind of crazy for someone who's pushing 50. What is it? It's, it's like you're every, every time they'd like have B-roll of a castle. Like, dun 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 uh, yeah, I don't. I can't put my thumb on it exactly. I don't. I don't know who or what that is, but you. Everyone's heard it before, right? And so it's kind of fun that they did something like that. Oh, sorry, Rivers Cuomo is fifty-one. He's already fifty, We're and pushing it. He's he's pushing the envelope, uh, and he's still being creative, still doing fun stuff. Even though, yes, it is the same formula they've been doing forever, where it's like intro, chorus, intro, breakdown, chorus. You know. I'm not going to punish them for that because it's just such a powerful. Yeah. I'm not going to punish one of the biggest living rock bands ever. Like, well, you're not going to get mad at the freaking the Beatles. You're not going to get mad at Led Zeppelin. Like, no, (laughs) I, I think I'm kind of done listening to Led Zeppelin. I'll be honest. If they made any more new music, I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need this. (laughs) If Led Zeppelin raised from the grave today, (laughs) Robert Plant. Yeah. Um, and started playing the piano. I'd be like, hey, maybe next time, buddy. <laughs> try again. Uh, yeah, the music's probably not no good no more. Uh, and I'd, sadly enough, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way about Weezer. I don't know if that sample song changed your mind about Weezer, but I promise you they're still making great music, and I still love them. Well, I mean, it, it just speaks to the uh, evolution of their of them uh, sonically it's like oh we we made all this great music and it's like the only way they can continue to be creative is experimenting with uh sounds that previously existed and uh, I, I doubt a lot of people can take that sound the same sound and make something as good as that so uh it's a it's a kind of a if you don't like it then you're not in the cool club kind of thing yeah i i'm about to throw up my hand in the shape of the l on my forehead right at you Dude, Limp Biscuit. All right, bro. On that note, what do you, what do you got for us musically? There's a, there is maybe I can count on one hand, um, a few artists that can make a release and it will immediately be featured on this show. Um, Led Zeppelin. Shut <laughs> up. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Smash uh, Mouth. Smash Mouth. Um, Death Grips. Um, which they have had uh two Instagram posts over the last uh eight month period. So death grips are online. And then number five, Kendrick Lamar. Um, uh, this would be Kendrick Lamar, Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the big steppas. You know, what's funny. I actually did listen to this whole album a couple of times now. Um, and I've never, I have not been on record to be a Kendrick Lamar lover or hater. I do like him a lot. He's in my top 50 rappers. Um, I'll figure out where he's at on that list. Um, but he is a lot of fun, and in this album, I feel like he's more raw and honest than I'm used to. You feel like he's more raw and honest on this album is is quite interesting. But compared to like Damn, I feel like Damn is like I feel like Damn's like a whole like pop. I wasn't crazy about Damn. I think I gave Damn like a seventy five. Like it's good, but like it's not it's not to pimp butterfly. It's not untitled, unmastered. You know, Pulitzer Prize winning Damn. You gave it a seventy five. And I'll give it to it again. <laughs> I'm just I'm just screwing with you. Dam's also probably like my third favorite. If I'm if I'm completely honest, uh, Dam's really good though. I think it's most people's third favorite, especially because 
Pimp a Butterfly has like the biggest effect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Good Kid, Mad Good City. Good Kid, Mad City is uh, everyone's is his pop off. Mm-hmm. Um, Untitled Unmastered has some of the greatest beats on it ever made. True. And then Damn is just like, oh, this is the best story ever told, ever told in a in a rap album. Uh, like a Pulitzer Prize winning story. So according to Rate Your Music, um, out of his six albums, did you say, what, what album did you say this was? This is Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I know, but did you say it was the sixth? I think so, yeah. I, um, so the averages are as follows. Number one um, is to Pimp Butterfly with 4.3. Fair. Uh, uh, Good Kid, Mad City number is two. number two with 4.2 average. And Damn then three. And then number three right now on this website is Untitled Master, 3.6. And then... Um, Damn four. And then Section 80 and Mr. Morale are both tied with 3.6. And then Damn has a 3.5 average. And this is out of roughly anywhere from 10,000 to 50,000 ratings. Dude, do those 10,000 to 15,000 people know it's a Pulitzer Prize winning <laughs> for, for rap? Um, no, I mean, it's fair. It's, it's agreeable. I think Damn is, is extremely good, but it's still not good as Pimp a Butterfly. But that's not what we're here for today. Today <laughs> we're here for Mr. Morale and the Big Steppas. Um, yeah, like you said, I think this album is about him, like, post those, like, amazing projects. Um, he's now, like, taking a hiatus. He's r- in the midst of raising two children. Um, he is uh, juggling the fact that, like, everyone is looking at him to be, uh, you know, um, the next Michael Jackson or the next Tupac and um, lead us out of the uh, the the fog as our as our incredible rap leader um but the only reason those people you know kind of had their crowns was because of their death you know what i mean and you know kendrick lamar is sort of like a living embodiment of like everyone is gonna you know put that you know that anointed one was like his other nickname kendrick lamar the anointed one like it's it's weird to like have those monikers around you and like try to live a normal life um, I think that's like a big part of this album in itself. All right. So before I go into my th- thoughts about it, what uh, song are you going to be sharing with us today for the audience to listen to so they can kind of get a feel for what we are going with? I'm probably going to do a little bit longer and maybe closer to a minute on this, song, whatever song you choose. Yeah, I probably want to do just my the first best song on the album is for me is Purple Hearts. You know what? I have to agree with you. Here is Purple Hearts, but can I Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's kind of a gangster pool to have Ghostface Killer featured on an album, especially when you don't have any big name features on this entire album. Like the biggest f- feature other than him, what is Kodak Black? Like, 
an interesting choice for Kendrick Lamar. Definitely uh, interesting. Not really his style, but this song's a lot more of a slower, more flowy. Um, I, I might want to mention also that I don't think uh, that was the first great song after re- reviewing it, because I did like songs from it. The first great song, I think, is Father Time. Yeah, and I was, was going to say that, too. It was like I kind of I kind of glossed over Father Time, but um, that would also be probably the other biggest name on there is Sampha, and that him featured on that is extremely good. Uh, I agree. However, I don't know who Sampha is. Um, I, you've heard him before. He 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 he's a big, uh, at least in the feature game. I think he only has one album out, and he's kind of like sitting on the second. He's kind of like uh, doing that. Um, you know, you pop off your first, and you let the let the fire cool down before you get roasted on the second. Twenty seventeen. He's sitting on the first. Twenty seventeen was his first album. Yeah. No, big he's sitting. sitting. Waiting on that album. Yeah. Um, yeah, but other than that, I think Purple Hearts and Father Time are like the only uh, two songs I can like really connect with um, on the on the first disc. Um, second, uh, the only other song that I, I kind of just enjoy because of its uh, theatricalness is We Cry Together. Ugh. Um, Did I, have I talked to you about that? No. I hate We about. Cry Together. Really? It's five minutes, and it 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 needed to be a one-minute skit. It needed to be like a one-minute bit. to get The whole idea behind it is like a toxic relationship, and it just needed to be like something. You can get your point across in one minute. Like mm. I knew where it was going. I knew how the song was going to mm. end. I knew they were going to like be so mad at each other that they got back together or whatever. Cause that's how toxic relationships work. But it was five minutes, and it's just so like hard to get through. There is no singing. There's a beat behind two people yelling back and forth at each other, and it's it's like hardly music to me. It's like experimental music, and it's just really rough to get through. Yeah. Um, speaking of experimental, the uh, entirety of this sound, um, you can hear that it's uh, kind of not quite as avant-garde as, uh, you know, there's no For Free on here, which is like one of the greatest interlude songs ever. Um, you know, just a pure jazz song and uh, Kendrick like a trumpet rapping over it. Um, there's nothing like even really contextually like musically. I just get a lot of uh, uh, from Mr. Morale. Um, I get a lot of like classic pop rap. Uh, you know, genres. I think that's just where he is right now. Um, him being influenced by his cousin baby keem and like right. them making music together and i think their relationship has been so close in the last couple years that that's the reason that um a lot of this sounds like so much more mainstream and it's just less avant-garde than anything else he's ever done um but still uh disc two is where it like wins me over um which would be purple hearts down so like Count Me Out, Silent Hill, Savior, Savior Interlude, um, Antidiaries, yeah, Mr. Morale are all, like, huge, big, much more closer to, like, what you, like, originally would hear from Kendrick, but still, like, you know, the beat is very, not generic, but it it is much more closer to, like, matching a modern rap sound. Right, um, and and I think that's where the this album really shines, is the production. Because he says uh, some questionable things, like just listening to the lyrics, he says some really questionable things throughout this, and like uh, three or four different songs. 
in one song, he I I think he's mentioning he's rethinking his stance um, on like the vaccine because of Kyrie Irving uh, after he got COVID. Well, that, that's an interesting line. It's that like, um, it's kind of like it, it the the entirety of the song. It's like people are looking uh, towards you know these like uh, black figures as right. in, like their. Um, their words and their actions um, speak for the whole community. Right. And I think it was this kind of like situation where Kyrie Irving like didn't want to play cause he didn't want to get vaccinated. And then the, uh, you know, the whole entire African-American community community was then against the vaccine because Kyrie Irving was against the vaccine. And I think that line is the opposite direction where it's like, you're looking at Kyrie, like he is also like, you know, non-human, like he's, not like he can't make his own decision without, you know, having a whole community agree with him or disagree with him. Uh, that's how I took that line and, and how Kendrick is the same way. Like, I know he, he can't have a stance on anything because it'll either be controversial to one side and the other side will like just run with it because they can't make their own decisions. Another interesting uh, line. He talks about like sleeping with white women, like cheating on his wife with, with white women because of like slavery like it, it's 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 very dense, very layered. And the third one that was strange is like he, I think he compared like being homophobic to being racist, like their equivalent. Um, that that's the one that I'm like that one for sure. Like that's Auntie Diaries, right? Yep. And that one, I think he also drops the the He's classic f bomb. Yeah, he drops the f slur like several times. Um, but I mean, still, it's like uh. Yeah, I the entire album like by the end of it I'm like I don't I don't it really disconnected me from uh uh Kendrick being uh like a non-human artist honestly. Right. Cuz I'm like, "Oh, this guy has his own opinions. I'm going to let him have his own opinions and like whether I disagree or not, I'm going to enjoy the art he makes." Yeah. And and I I totally agree with that. I see what you're saying. I actually re- I like this album a lot. Um, I, and I agree with you that the, the second disc is way stronger than the first, but even then like fun in 95 is like this fun, like more of like hip hop, like modern type beat. And it's still like interesting. And he's got some interesting things to say. And even though that is pretty controversial, I, I do like this album a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to be like overly controversial. Um, you know, like I don't think any community should really have a problem with it. I think auntie diaries is more of like his specific like case. Yeah, his like he's speaking legit on his own um, experiences with his aunt being um, a part of the community in some fashion or yeah, way. I think she's trans, right? Um, so like, and and like him, obviously that community being inherently homophobic, like in his uh, witness of that. I think that's more of what it's speaking on, and he still speaks in those, you know what people would understand as like homophobic terms and saying right. so like yeah uh, i i can understand where people are coming from but it's also like back to that like Kyrie Irving line it's like why do you you know why are you uh, impressioning so much of your own uh either uh opinions or you know you're judging someone else on their opinions like why does it even matter sort of situation and i think like Kendrick needs to make an album like this to like break the stigma of like, he, he's never going to be a uh, to pip a butterfly. There's never going to be a damn to, you know what I mean? Like right. he needs some, even more than just like a, 
actual hiatus from making music. He needs a hiatus of making concept albums, honestly. Rating? Um, good question. What did you give the Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers? It's a 79. Mm-hmm. Um, just because through the podcast, the big hit show, I've been listening to more to Pimp a Butterfly. I re-listened to Damn. Those are crazy. Like, those are so crazy. Um, and I respect where they are in the pop culture. This is not them. I got a, I got Mr. Morale. I, I got Mr. Morale at 85. I thought, I give it the great 85. I, I really liked it a lot. Um, realistically, I think Kendrick Lamar is an incredible storyteller. And, uh, the fact that I got, uh, the lack there of a story, or at least, uh, it's going over my head at the moment. Yeah. I need to um, Maybe just, it's just not as coherent, uh, uh, conceptually. Um, and also like, there's, like you said, there's kind of like some weird things and some language and Kodak black is probably not the best person. Um, ever since that interview, that Sunday conversations with, uh, with Kev Presley, I love Kodak black. I can, I like, yeah, he's like funny. He could be funny. But I'd, then, like, also his actions are, like, not the best. So Yeah, I mean, he's no DeBaby, but, yeah. You know, yeah, nobody nobody can be as good as DeBaby. <laughs> um, spoilers for the uh, the Wasties in December. I got uh, Mr. Morale right now at number four um, album of the year. E- yeah, I'd probably agree for with me. you. It's kind of, like, one of the best of the year, but I haven't been listening to a ton of new yeah. music. I've got, I've got 20 albums so far. I've been, like, on the hunt. You munching, dude. Munching. On the big hunting. Wastecap. Um, this one is a blast from the past. Let me tell you what, guys. Um, uh, I was going to talk about it during TV, but I wanted to talk about Moon Knight. So, you know, the rules are loose and fast. We made the show. Um, we decide what couple, the waste cap is. A couple of cowboys shooting from the hip here. One. The idea is uh, during the waste cap, we review something that our other... Um, companion um reviewed in one of the previous um last very last episode just so we can have like a fresh take on it you know um but i mean last time i had brought up uh something that was space witcher 2 yep season 2 season 2 and uh, there's some space between when it originally aired and then when i waste capped it so uh, we're giving the same grace to my uh, uh, big guy holden over here thank you everybody gets one um, so I I got a TV show for y'all, um, and the only reason I even watched it because a dear I spoke highly of it, and b because um, I said hey Midnight Mass it has this the Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights you want to watch it and Steph was like okay yeah, so that's the only reason it passed because a tough sell yeah it was, it was any I think I just caught her in the right mood in the right place because usually she does not like watching starting new shows no and. Mm. She hasn't been watching horror at all recently either, so it's it's been a tough sell. But uh, it was easy this time. I, I knew what to say. I knew when the time was right. I strike an iron hot. And so we watched uh, Midnight Mass. Um, this was a show that Dear I previously talked about. It's like a horror TV show. It's from the same creators of Bly Manor and uh, Hill House. Um, and I just want to let you all know right now, me and Dear are going to have our first spoiler discussion of it, going over every little spoiler piece because we've never talked about the show before um, since I've seen it. So, uh, if you don't want to hear any spoilers for um, Midnight Mass, feel free to skip ahead. Um, uh, I got time. I'll, have, I'll put up a time code to when uh, we talk about the next segment. 
in the show notes so you can take a look. There is no next segment. Well, the next, next. When we stop talking about Midnight Mass. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll have to code that out. Um, okay, so Midnight Mass, first question to you, right? Did you ever tell me what the the villain was of the of Midnight I Mass? I never told you. I. It was a, such a nice, I went into the show blind and, uh, you know, me and Abby were watching it and we're like trying to, both blind and we're like, because we had, we love Hill House, we love, we liked Bly Manor. And it's like, oh, it's going to be ghosty and right. spooky and like paranormal. paranormal. And then like once you get a few episodes in, you're like, There's, where's the ghost? Where's, so, where's the haunted place? And so I'm very happy there wasn't ghosts because mm-hmm. I'm so sick of possession, ghosts, demons. I'm so sick of that. Um, well, there's, there's no real possession in like Hill House, I don't think. And, okay, I haven't watched it, but I'm yeah, not going to watch it because like, I'm but, sick of but, ghosts. But I do know what you're saying. Like ghosts, ghosts are one dimensional. Yes. Hundred percent, but this is about vampires. Even though Jewish they, vampires, even bro. though they never say vampires, um, and even though they don't uh, do garlic, which they should, they should have. There's no garlic on the island, bro. They should import some garlic and use it. Or I wanted like a wooden stick. I wanted a little bit of cheesiness to it. If there was a little bit of cheesiness, um, I I really really liked it. Good Again, reveal, solid reveal. Uh, kind of like it was important that I kept that uh, secret because I enjoyed it so much. I don't know if anyone told me because I I I I, I want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt that talked to me that no one told me. I don't know who else I would have talked to about it, but I by episode one I was like it's vampires. Like at the yeah. end of episode one, or I, I think I think one still is pretty ambiguous. So maybe by the end of episode two I'm like it's vampires. Yeah, and, and she's like, like no. I'm like I'm pretty sure it's vampires. Yeah, two or three when you see, um, the priest and he's like, he, I think he stares at that picture of the other priest, mm-hmm. and, and that, there I was like, are they? That's when in my head, because I was thinking ghosts, I'm like, is there some type of like right ghost time travel, time travel, anti aging? Well, well, I knew there was once Monsignor Pruitt. I think I had the kind of the, the hankering that they were the same person. Um, but I, I I knew something was fishy when they introduced the woman uh, who plays them like this grandma, this old like grandma. But you can clearly tell it looks like Kate McKinnon playing like a very old woman. <laughs> like they clearly have like fake prosthetics for her makeup. Yeah, and because she deages, right? And yeah. I and I really wish that they would have just um, actually got an old person there for the start. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, or at least like hit her face better. Yeah, um, they did not do a great job with that. Uh, yes, that. Um, but I think we definitely guessed it before the reveal. Um, I feel like there's like a mention of of blood somewhere. I, I wanted mm. to say like there is like a, a hint yeah, of something. They talk about like the the sacrament being the body and the blood of Christ and whatnot. Right. I think it's something with the sacrament and it clicked, and I was like, "Is this is this a vampire flick?" And I was like, I was pre- pleasantly surprised uh, by the ending of it. Yeah, and I I like I liked how the vampire came to the island. I guess that's left ambiguous. I do like that the the main vampire was seen as an angel. I think that's very fun. I think that's yeah. fun that he, like this old like dimension man like stumbles into the cave and like finds the the that's like the hiding place of the vampire because it can't go out in the sun. So like I thought that was like a really fun like different way. Um, it, it mm-hmm. again interesting the the V word is never used. No one ever says vampire. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, but yeah, I because th- it's totally like a it's like a total like you could see that happening somewhere in folklore. You know what I mean? Where like right. 
some whatever pagan ritual like uh you know they would sacrifice themselves to this angel and it would give them you know youth and vitality and it's like oh it's just a you know they're just drinking vampire blood right and um it's, it's helped it healed that cripple girl's back right i love i love the uh the mystery of it all um because i was like i was like oh i kind of solved that i was like oh so this is their vampires because of this but then why is this happening you know like how did they yes how did yes. he know so like everything was like kind of falling into place and so it was it was fun seeing the unraveling of it um you know what it is i think he was like getting uncomfortable in sunlight was that the thing where he was like yeah he was like getting when he was like tired and like lethargic during the day i think that's what cued me too as well um but yeah the acting was great the writing is is pretty great just it's just especially like you know keeping the v word out and being so spooky and conspiracy about it it's like all very cool yeah love the cold aspect love um how unlikable bev was <laughs> um <laughs> dude <laughs> i mean you just you poison a dog in a show and it's like yeah i'm gonna hate you for every episode now like there's no reason not to hate you um so they did a good job making her the joffrey um for yeah. all you uh, game of thrones fans out there um and and then also I, the only thing I questioned though was bringing back, uh, Flynn the uh, miss, the the young Flynn son, or uh, the middle one Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights. Uh, they kill him right, mm-hmm. and then they bring him back. Um, because so the one episode ends with his death, and then I'm, like I, we had like a night or two in between. And I was like, oh well, they killed off the main character, and then they actually did bring him back, and then he ends up dying again. Of course, as like a heroic death i guess i don't know which one which i just can't think of the face he plays the he plays the the main son who um killed somebody um in, in the, the car accident in the car accident which might i add that that's, there's a jump scare where every night where he goes in his sleep where he oh. sees he sees like the dead girl that's just unnecessary there's no other jump scares in the whole like show like that it just is like it's just feels hokey uh, kind of detracted from the so whole like mysterious i think th- that is the only thing that relates back to uh, Hill House and right. Bly Manor is that all these people are haunted. Um, they all have technically a ghost that follows them that is related to their past. And like, I guess he liked that theme of like him having a ghost haunting him, but it just never like f- flowered into like what Hill House does, where it's like everyone overcomes their ghost. You know what I mean? Like he like kind of doesn't and he kind of like accepts his fate. Right and then dies so it's like kind of like silly for that you know what i mean and the the other silly part is like he dies to try to stop what happens from happening but it happened anyways basically but i mean i guess they do prevent them from leaving um but but i think that the the silliest part is that once the head vampire dies I, i imagine everyone would have returned back to normal well i don't know Maybe the people who have already died would have stayed dead. I don't. I don't know exactly how it would have worked, but yeah. So, like, I mean, if you're going like straight up old school, or uh, yeah, old school um, Dracula yeah. rules, it's like the vampires. All the vampires died because Dracula died. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense, but I I think this is a little different because they're not shapeshifters. You know what I mean? Like the dude, the you evolve into a freaking creepy cave being you know what i mean like you grow you sprout wings probably and you know then you're like really allergic to sunlight so then you turn into like a cave dweller 
Yeah, I don't I know think... if I love the idea of her like cutting holes in his wings to make him like less like aerodynamic. Aerodynamics so that yeah. he like isn't able to escape because like they built they burned down every building. It just seemed like a little like plot conveniency that it's like every building burned down. There's nowhere we can hide from the sun. Like there's a bridge, hide underneath the bridge, get dig, an umbrella, dig a hole. Dig, she, you see that she did try to start digging at the end. Yeah, um, but like there's somewhere to hide from the sun. Like there's like the sun doesn't hit everywhere all at once. Like it comes up gradually. Just hide behind something. Yeah, you gotta go underneath it you and then move hill, around. Um, you could probably like if you just charged up into the like the woods, you could with a with a small axe, you can make yourself a decent yeah. enough shelter to like right become not. I would at least ninety eight percent covered from the sun. Right, you and could figure it out. That's with a couple trees and a tarp over your head. You know what I mean? Some cloud coverage later on. Yeah. And then whoop, yeah, back to night, know. like, Just, okay, let me get one of these boats fixed right. in the middle of the night. Like, and then you could literally lay under a canoe. Like, just something, man. I don't know. Um, it just seems a little plot conveniency at the end there. But like I said, great show. I love a good monster flick. Love cult stuff. I wanted more of the cult stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it an 86. I think it, I think it was really great. Uh, thank you for wrecking it to me. Um, and thank you I for think your, I gave it an 86, too. Yeah, I think you were right around there. Um. My waist cap is not uh, nearly ex- exciting. Fair. Um, I just threw up a couple episodes of the uh, podcast game plan. Gameplay. Gameplay, which we referenced earlier in the show during the video game section. Yeah. Um, also similar to the big hit uh, show, it's it's kind of just a uh, pop culture interview-styled documentary-esque uh, show, but it deals with uh, video games and the community around video games. The other episode I watched was the, uh, Microsoft million biggest buyout ever in video game history. Ooh. Good episode. I think that's like their most recent episode. Right. I don't think um, I listened to that one. Other than that, I haven't, uh, ventured very far. Oh, bro. The, you gotta listen to the entire goose game one. Yes, I do. Um, also just the, uh, the firewatch podcast, but it, it's a solid, like I, I like, documentary style things i need mm-hmm. more documentary style things so when they're good they're good um when they're boring they're pretty boring so this is not boring this is a 75 out of 100 this is a pretty decent show um probably not going to make my weekly rotation that's fine um but i do feel comfortable uh popping in and out watching sods that i uh meaningful to you yeah meaningful to me and i'll wreck you something if, if something like pops up that's good that you need to hear or something Audacity hasn't been recording for the last uh, hour. Oh, great. Um, well, that's all the show we got for you guys tonight, um, this this afternoon, this morning, whenever you may be listening. Um, thank you for being such a loyal fan, tuning in every episode. If this is your first episode, welcome for being um, a loyal fan um, today. Yeah, drive safe. Good morning. Good night. Enjoy your chores. Yeah, enjoy your chores, um, have a nice walk. Maybe a road trip that you're on, like, keep your eyes on the road. Yeah, wake up, wake up, don't fall asleep. Um, uh, other than that, uh, thanks for being here, boss. Yep, thank you guys. Uh, please email us at howtowasteyour at gmail.com. We'll read you on air and consume your content in some fashion. Uh, we don't get guaranteed 100% it, but we will at least 1% it. We can promise you that. At least one percent. It um, it might <laughs> never get rated. Might stay on the watch lists. 
No, we'll one percent it. Oh, I, I can rate it from one percent, easy. I've, you, I've, you can I, watch an opening scene and be like, mm, "It's pretty good." You can uh, get you can get past the opening credits and be like, "Ah, ninety five. I I I guess watching one episode of The Boys, but I can I watched only one episode of The Boys and I got a rating for that show. It's a fifty four. I think it's probably better than a fifty four, but well, that's my rating, and I that was probably about ten percent of the sh- of the whole show. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Y'all have a good night. Afternoon, day. Bye. A new segment here. Um, not a million dollar ideas, but a thousand dollar ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new show. Right. I can I can see it on a major network, but also I can see it like maybe on something discovery. But like, like, what do you mean by a thousand dollars? Like, that's how much it costs to fund it. That's how much they're gonna make. Like, well, uh, I'll exp- I'll explain this. I'll pitch the show, and then yeah. you'll see. You you can give you a rating how much you would buy it for. My card shark. Yeah. So uh, the title of the show is called "Whose Dog Is It Anyway?" Oh, whose dog is it anyway? Whose dog is it anyway? So you get four um, canine actors. Uh-huh. And they're trainers, and mm. you feed them uh, improv prompts. You feed the dogs improv prompts. Yeah, they're well, they're canine actors. So they, so is this furries? Is this dogs that no, no, eat? No. You feed actual, them like they they eat the prompts or actual uh, bona fide canine actors and actresses with their trainers. I think this is a great SNL skit. I wouldn't want to more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you get it's funny. It's good. Like the dog from I Am Legend, and then you get Air Bud, and then you get some type of, you know, miniature breed. And the then Taco a, Bell Chihuahua. Yeah, exactly. And Cute. then you, and then you, them and their trainers have to figure out how to make these uh, improv prompts from the crowd or um, also still have Drew Carey um, oh, reading geez. it to the dogs, but make sure they're spayed and neutered. Oh my gosh. $1,000 idea. Bob Barker. It would have to be Drew Carey, and he does an SNL spot, and then whose dog is in anyway? Yeah, yeah. It does fit. Does fit better there. That's as far as I could take that one. <laughs>